0: You guys hear me? Sorry, hold on.
1: 32 super fans. I, I couldn't understand a word that was said. Every angle of the NFL covered. You fired up for that,
0: man?
2: Huh? This. we will not go time. We, we still on go. Hold oh, on,
0: hold on, hold
1: on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane. This is Next Fan Up. We're live, bro.
3: Hello and welcome to Week 17 of the NFL season. This is Next Fan Up. I am James, your Eagles fan, joined once again by one of my usual cohorts, MJ, our Falcons fan. And MJ, um, happy holidays to you. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm actually doing pretty good. I cannot complain. And yourself?
3: You know, I am um, doing all right. Uh, I'm trying to remain tempered, yet optimistic, but uh, that can go away any fleeting moment, especially with the times and errors that we're living in, in this football season. Yeah. And um, with that, I'll I'll get us into news and notes because MJ, there are some new things that just came down this week. Uh, First and foremost, the league has implemented new protocols based on updated guidelines for the CDC um, in which now, regardless of vaccination status, Players in the NFL, whether vaccinated or unvaccinated, can return to their facilities after five days of isolation. The previous protocols had unvaccinated players um, impose ten days of vaccination, ten days of isolation upon them because they weren't vaccinated. But this now allows players who test positive and present asymptomatic, or at least if their symptoms are lessening at the 5 day mark to return to their teams faster. So those tests that we see on Monday and th- these have gone into effect as of Monday morning. So players like Carson Wentz uh for the Colts who is unvaccinated uh can actually possibly play this Sunday as opposed to missing this Sunday's game because of his vaccination status. Uh h- how do you how do you see this working
1: out um
3: what's your take on all this right now?
1: Well, to me, this clearly shows that the only thing the NFL truly cares about is making money because if they actually cared about, I'm just saying, if they actually cared about the health and the well-being of the players, the families, the staff, anybody remotely associated, they would have not put this rule into effect. Um, The fact that you can test positive but present asymptomatic and still play or be unvaccinated and still play to me is just a very problematic stance to take um because somebody is going to infect somebody else and they're going to take it home to somebody who is compromised and bad things are going to happen um i knew that nfl was standing on shaky ground when we heard about uh brett Favre and his whole what was it that he wouldn't have to be tested for a Oh you mean under- Karen, no game. not Brett
3: Favre Karen, Karen Rogers
1: <laughs> I'm sorry thank you sorry sorry Karen thank you uh no Brett Favre was on my brain cuz I saw something about it was telling me his grandson at a game and they were talking to yes no I'm sorry you're absolutely right Karen Rogers when we found out he wouldn't have to be tested until after the NFC championship. At that point I was like, yeah, let's just see where this foolishness is going to go. Um so yeah, I to me this is a bad this, this is a bad move from a health standpoint and to me it's just waiting for something to happen and somebody's going to report on it and it's going to be a very bad look for the NFL. Now, my question would be If these players are unvaccinated, but they're in cities and states that have vaccine stances, how does that factor in? Because if you look at the NBA, if I'm not mistaken, the state of New York isn't letting Kyrie Irving play in any games, but when the Nets are on road games, depending on where they are, he can play. Things like that, I I just see bad things coming, I, I do. Well, so, so again, so it, it goes to what if you've got an unvaccinated player playing in the still? No, that's not the state of New York because the Giants and the Jets both play in New Jersey. So the Bills are the only thing that plays
3: in New York. Um, Actually,
1: thank to, you. To good com- good and, point.
3: And, and and to what you're saying, I, I hear what you're saying. The the only blowback I will push on that, and I get what the state of New York does. Whatever, that's only for indoor closed facilities and ah, the Bills okay, Giants and Jets all play in outdoor stadiums. There are only about what, four or five domes in the NFL. And I mean when I mean domes, I mean non retractable roofs. Um gotcha. The Cowboys Stadium they can open the roof. Arizona I believe they can open the roof, but we're really only looking at Atlanta, New Orleans, Indianapolis, and No no no. Atlanta's roof retracts. Oh, Atlanta Roofs does retract. It Vegas retract. Vegas, the Raiders. Uh Vegas, the Rams and Chargers, excuse me. And the oh, Rams yeah. and Chargers, they don't have a retractable roof. They have shutters that open to let air in. So it's not like the roof opens. So yeah, those are the teams with the actually closed facilities. I believe the Texans okay. as well has a has a complete dome uh, also. So um that that that's what that rule will come in for the state of New York. So that's why the, you know, the NBA portion of that Nets and Knicks primarily because again, there's no retractable rule for a basketball stadium. But I, I do get what you're saying. Um, I, yeah, I, I do see it as somewhat problematic. Obviously, the NFL only cares about green, and you know, not to turn this into a whole political thing. Look, the the players fought for the right to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, and they've been complaining about. Something needs to change about the protocols. Well, here it is, but there's still guidelines in place. You know, this is mostly to allow players to come back faster. And I I get what the NFL is coming from, trying to, you know, basically just following the CDC guidelines as they come out or are updated as quickly as possible. So they don't have scenarios like we've had over the past two to three weeks where we've had teams, you know, put 20-plus players on a COVID list and games get moved from their scheduled play times to random days in the week, I'm pretty sure they don't want another scenario where they have to, especially now in the playoffs. You know, we we've got playoffs. Look, wildcard weekend is already going to be Saturday, Sunday, Monday for wild card weekend. Heaven forbid the divisional round or conference championship games get moved because one of the teams has twenty some odd players, you know, show up on the COVID list. And and, and granted to this to that point, the Omicron variant is a real thing. It is out there. That is what a lot of the positive tests are so far over these last 2 to 3 weeks. Everyone who's testing positive whether, you know, symptomatic or asymptomatic are testing positive with the Omicron variant. So there's that to take into account as well. It's not like any previous other variants they're testing positive for. That's the variant they're testing positive for now. But the doctors and the medical experts have told the NFL that this is going to be a thing that was what I, ha- that they could expect to happen. I just don't feel like they were readily prepared for it. And yet to your point, I, I would probably still impose the 10 day isolation period for non-vaccinated players. Look, asymptomatic or, you know, symptoms, you know, lessening after a certain time, it's all fine. And dandy. but like you said, they're going to be on the field with, 21 other people, um, 29, if you you include the seven officials on the field as well, Mm -hmm. that they're going to be in close proximity with, and then they're all going to go back to the sidelines. So now everybody's going to catch this bug, you know, I shouldn't call it a bug, but now they're contaminated because asymptomatic, not showing symptoms, but they still have it. You know, just Mm -hmm. because you're asymptomatic doesn't mean you can't pass it on to someone else.
1: Heaven forbid you score a touchdown and jump up to hug a fan. And,
3: and, and then there's that. And and and, and to your point, what you were saying earlier about what the state of New York does, there are ver- various stadiums in the league have said no one's coming in here unless they're fully vaccinated. You know, so they they have they have banned ticket holders. They they're even doing testing right there at the gate. If you show a even if you show asymptomatic, they're not letting you in. I think Buffalo. Is one of those teams has now said that uh, even children, because um, children uh, of a certain age now, I think they, they – because uh, at this point I believe 10 and under, or at least between 5 and 10, can now get the vaccine. I don't know exactly what the age range is. Don't quote me or, or butch me in the comments, whatever. I'm not sure, but whatever the – are we know, kids, the you know age, there's
1: a certain age range of kids who can range, right. get the vaccine. Yeah,
3: Who can get the vaccine. And, and Buffalo, city of Buffalo, uh, Buffalo Bills – management facilities have said that no children are allowed in their stadium without the vaccine. If, if that child can be vaccinated, they have to be vaccinated before they enter the Bills facility to attend a football game. And that's huge for the Bills because, I mean, as of this point right now, they're sitting in first place in the division and, you know, vying for a top spot. Um, so and they're not the only team. Other teams in the league, their their home stadiums are doing similar things where you can't enter as a fan with that but now like to your point 5 days unvaccinated player who's asymptomatic who clears protocol still plays on Sunday him to the fan fan scoring a touchdown now he's asymptomatic spreading covid to a fan base so
1: i mean don't get you me know, wrong I'm, I'm not i'm not wishing this on anyone i don't want anyone to come down with it Mm-hmm. But the numbers kind of say it's going to happen at some point, unfortunately.
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and again, it's, it's not completely preventative. You know, all the preventative measures that are put out there, you know, people want to fight for this free will to do what they want on their own. That Do what you want for yourself. Just I always say – look out for others you know just because you want to do something because you feel it's in your own best interest what's in your own best interest may not be helpful to someone else and all i ask is that we all just look out for each other and take care of each other um absolutely the 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 next story is that the Jacksonville jaguars have started their coaching search they've uh, reached out to doug peterson they have a list of names that includes buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich most likely will at some point include Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. They want to talk to Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, but he's at up until this point he wants to wait to interview until the regular season is over with with the dumpster fire that the Jacksonville Jaguars is at this point with with the UC as the best way for them to go with their coaching search since they're they can start now at this point.
1: Honestly, I would probably want if – I, if I were running the Jacksonville Jaguars organization, I would wait until the offseason so that I can talk to as many available uh, options as possible. Um, I'm honestly – specifically to speak to the Dan Quinn – to Dan Quinn being in the mix, I'm not sure if it's the right time for Dan to be a head coach again. um and again this this isn't a knock against him at all because i definitely think he deserves another shot at being a head coach just because he was with the falcons and it didn't work out doesn't mean he doesn't deserve another shot i'm just not sure if i were him if i would be looking at it so soon you know i would probably stick with the cowboys for a few years get a bit more success with that defense then shock myself around for another head coaching job but you know I'm I don't get paid to coach football players so what do I know but again that's just <laughs> and, and again I think he's very deserving of the opportunity um, I think he would make a, a good head coach with the right personnel around him unfortunately Atlanta just wasn't the right spot for that um, my top choice if I were running the Jaguars would be Eric enemy. Um he's definitely somebody that I have been a fan of for a while that I think would make an excellent head coach. Um they're definitely in a spot where I don't I don't I don't know much about their GM, so I don't know if their GM is also going to get the boot once the season is over, but if you're bringing in a new head coach I would probably think you want to bring in in addition to whatever coaching staff he brings in, you might want to bring in some other personnel that kind of mesh well with his coaching style and just his overall management style of the team, but yeah, I would definitely wait till the off season so that if there are any other names of coaches and assistant coaches that are still on teams playing that we don't know about. At least come the offseason, you've got a better opportunity to speak to those players because right now, Dan Quinn is focused on the Cowboys and the playoffs. While a head coaching job will be great, I'm certain his focus is the Cowboys defense and the rest of this season. So I would say wait until the offseason to talk to any, or not necessarily to talk to any, but so that you can get as many potential people in the building for interviews and everything else that goes on with Deciding who your next head coach is going to be.
3: Well, uh, I hear what you're saying. The only downside of that is you'll be left with scraps because the majority of coaching positions are filled within the first week of the close of the regular season, because they're trying to pluck assistance from various play the various staffs of playoff teams, or at least young hotshot coordinators who are up and coming of teams that just missed the playoffs. So ho- hopefully, that change of thinking goes out the window and actually, you know, look at the more experienced candidates. Dan Quinn has done it before. Yeah, it didn't go well in Atlanta, you know, say for probably about a two year run. But uh I I I don't know if the the management structure in place in Jacksonville is conducive for anybody to succeed. Um it it, it just doesn't look like they know how to run that organization as of this point. You know, they got rid of Tom Coughlin. I get it. Tom Coughlin was a bit of a drill sergeant mentality that rubbed people the wrong way, but he came from the Bill Parcells tree. So my thing is what did you expect when you hired him? And ever since he's left, nothing's really gone right for them. It's been a comedy of errors and just bad decision after bad decision. Uh, all right, MJ, one last thing we want to talk about before we get into our uh, picks in the upcoming slate of games is that uh, yesterday, uh, the day before this recording, uh, Tuesday this week, we learned of the passing of John Madden, uh, former Raiders head coach, broadcaster for all four major networks as far as covering the NFL, uh, named on arguably the greatest-selling franchise Uh, video game of all time. Um, He was 85 years old. Uh, There's probably not a story you can tell of football without mentioning his name. Uh, I just want to read a few lines here from something that our shadowy background figure uh, sent us and said, uh, I'm not quite old enough to remember his coaching, but I definitely grew grew up on the sound of John Madden's voice alongside Pat Summerall." Describing my weekly Sunday uh, games of the week, the only thing that sucked is that he was an NFC commentator, so he didn't get a chance to call uh, many AFC games. Let's face it, back then he wouldn't have called um, many, ga- many games of the AFC. Uh, John Madden is the reason that this podcast exists or has a chance to exist. He realized that the way to get more fans into the game was to bring them into the game highlight all those X's and O's so that every man could understand what was happening. And he did it with a huge amount of humor. I've always said that the reason this podcast can be successful is the point of view of each and every individual fan. And frankly, if we have more fans, multiple fans, uh, getting the perspective on the chiefs from a smug chiefs fan, but also a jealous Raiders fan. And you've had it too well for too long Patriots fan is what makes this show unique. You won't find anything close to this anywhere else. Sure, there have been a few podcast networks that have created individual podcasts for each team, but they're still missing the key ingredient, conflict. Uh, you need a difference of opinion to really get down to the truth of what the story really is. Um, at the end of the day, <laughs> um, so that that that's his two cents on what John Madden, you know, meant to him as far as, football overall MJ your your thoughts on Madden his legacy and his impact on you as far as watching the game of football
1: um I used to love listening to John uh at, at the games he's um probably no I'm sorry there is no probably he is the most well-known voice associated with the NFL um He's definitely going to be missed. Um, I'm also not old enough to remember him as a coach, but definitely remember him as a commentator. Um, One thing that I thought was kind of interesting was when he first made his move, and I haven't had time to research this story, but it's something that I heard Shannon Sharp say um, on his show, is that when John Madden was hired as a commentator, they believed in him so much that they paid him more money than Michael Jordan was making in the uh, NBA at the time. Now, granted that's back then, so by today's standards, that's not a lot of money. But in those days, that's a whole lot of money to pay somebody to be an NFL commentator. Um, So there's that aspect of how influential and important this man was to the game of football. I mean, he's so important to the game of football that it's Madden. It's not just the NFL football game. It's Madden. Um, And you talk to any NFL fan, and they probably have tons of stories about Madden or this version of Madden versus that version of Madden. But, again, that just speaks to his influence and importance to the game that ESPN and the NFL said, you know what? We're putting John Madden's name on this game, and, you know, it's going to be part of our brand. Um, so that's probably one of the other things that we would recognize John Madden as is as important of a person as anyone is possibly when it comes to being part of the brand of the NFL. Um, he's a legend, and he will definitely be missed.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um Last thing I'll say about this, because you can hear my comments coming up uh, shortly with Neil, as we talk about our game. Um, the the only the the only uh, regret I have as far as being a fan of Madden, pretty much my entire life, because you know start watching the games as a kid, you know realize he was a coach through watching NFL films and then seeing you know his coaching career through that lens um, because he basically retired from coaching about a year or two before I was born. Uh, Just the fact that it, it, it took so long for the hall of fame committee to put him into the hall of fame. He, he retired from coaching in 1976. He wasn't inducted into the hall of fame until some 30 years later in 2006. You know, um, And the committee, for whatever reason, during the 80s and 90s, when you thought his name was going to be put on the list, to be put in the Hall of Fame, their knock was, well, he could possibly come out of retirement and coach again, and we don't want to put him in, and he does that. He was true to his word that when he stepped away in 76, he was done. He had no interest in going back in coaching. Um, He still boasts the highest win percentage, which is roughly 76%. Of his games that he won. It's a 103 56, no, sorry, 103 36 and seven record. All right. By percentage alone, that is like the highest win percentage of any coach who is coaching at least 100 games. Bill Belichick, who's been coaching for 20 years, doesn't even have a 70% winning percentage. Wow. Yeah. And Madden won 76% of his games. Let that sink in. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the, only, that's the only thing I wish is that I wish he had went to the Hall of Fame sooner. I understand what the committee's mindset was for doing it, but I really wish that they didn't wait till 06 to finally put the man into the Hall of Fame. Um, it, it, that, but, again, I, I don't see how you tell the story of football without mentioning his name in any way, shape, or form. And um, as you're here coming up, Neil and I going to, you know, his impact on us ad nauseum. Uh, So we'll go ahead and get started with the Sunday games. And the first game up, as already mentioned, Neil and I talk about the Washington football team hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Excuse me. The Eagles here are still moving up in the power rankings. This is definitely a make or break game uh, for both teams. The Eagles move up from 18 to 15. They are three and a half point favorites. The Washington football team falls from twenty-three to twenty-four. Um, if Washington loses this game, they are eliminated from all playoff contention. Uh, the Eagles clinch a playoff spot with a win and help. And uh, the next you're here will be me, myself, and Neil commenting about this game and our thoughts on John Madden.
0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All
3: right. I'm joined by Neil, our Washington fan, longtime contributor to Next Fan Up. Neil, um... It's been a long time since we had you on the show. How how have you been this season? I know the time change as far as when we do things behind the scenes has been impacting your availability. Um, I greatly apologize for that. We're trying to get more people involved. And, look, I've been trying to get you on the show all season, trying to find an opportunity. This one seems like a great one for both, you know, good and not so good
2: reasons. We'll get into each. But how how have you been for starters? (laughs) Well, uh... (laughs) <laughs> well James uh, good to hear from you and uh, I, I guess I guess the first thing to say is just remember I'm a Washington fan so uh, things only get a certain level of uh, or of how good or bad they can be over a season so in terms of the football season it's been mediocre to dreadful so
1: look
3: I, I completely understand um Things look like they were going to start out great for you all. You lost Fitzpatrick. Um, Heineke has been up and down. You had a nice little win streak there. Looks like you want to challenge Dallas a little bit, and then between injuries and COVID, running through your team, kind of trying to pick yourselves up. Look, I, I don't want to go too much into what happened this past Sunday night. Everyone has seen it, but <laughs> for, for for this game, will they put forth that same um, energy? That we saw on the sidelines between uh, Allen and Payne versus the Eagles this week, or, or, or are they just going to roll over and let the Eagles, you know, knock you all
2: officially out of the playoffs mathematically
3: mm. and, you know, move forward? Mm.
2: No, I. Well, first of all, I think uh, clearly there'll be a reaction uh, to the last uh, last Sunday, which was somebody who sat up till what time was that in the morning? Half past three in the morning, watching that terrible. Ooh, uh, I'm sorry. This, yeah i know exactly it was a long 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 night uh and, and you know hey the the, the look of Allen and and um and payne swinging punches at each other uh i mean typical washington defense they missed with the punches i mean that's just you know, sums up a run defense in one uh in, in a five second burst there uh it's a terrible look for the organization. It's a terrible look for the coaches. It's a terrible look for a guy who is, our, is supposed to be our man of the year and, and just voted to the Pro Bowl for some reason. Uh, th- that's all poor, very, very poor. And it says a lot about, you know, the issues are still there with Washington, James. You know, we we, we all know the issues. We don't have to go over them again. But uh, uh, it still takes a bit of time to clear out. And uh, that's just another indication that, you know, things are... Uh, Although things are probably on the up in terms of how they've conducted themselves and sorted out the organisation, there's still things to do there. And that that whole, uh, you, you know, you don't you don't change society in 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 six months, and you don't change a football team in six months. It takes time to uh, to embed new things, and and that's just another another sight of of how 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 unstable it still is there in, in that franchise. Having said that, will we turn up let out uh, on Sunday? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I think. In a way, it's probably bad news for the Eagles <laughs> in the sense that uh, they will have to put on uh, a bit of a, a performance on Sunday. Uh, now, the, the question is, can they? I mean, we've just sat, what, what was that, two weeks ago? Week 15, where we played yeah, you last Tuesday time. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you know you ran for uh, six yards a pop, about 240 yards over the course of that game. And I don't see that really changing. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got... The age-old problem with Washington is we can't cover tight ends, we can't cover running backs coming out of the backfield, and I think in that game your tight end uh, Dallas Goddard uh, had seven catches for hundred nearly 140 yards. So uh, I, I don't I don't see anything that's happened in uh, in the intervening couple of weeks to change that. So. Uh, unless unless some miracle happens that we can change that. I know Miles Sanders may not play in this game with his, with his broken hand. He, he's, um, out. They're, they're he's out. They're definitely calling him out with a broken hand. He's going to miss
3: this week and most likely next week against Dallas as well.
2: Well, whoever replaces him is going to have a great opportunity to get a contract for the next few years because he's going to put up some numbers uh, in this game, James. Uh, so that's that's the thing. And, of course, the other side of it is we, we just seem to have no way ever for years now of stopping a mobile quarterback who can run if required, and uh, I think Jalen Hurts uh, looked pretty good in that in that Week 15 matchup. And I don't, again, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't change. Now, look, you mentioned at the start there around uh, uh, the fact that we've got injuries and, and COVID issues. We're not alone with that. Every team's got injuries. Uh, no. Yeah, you can say we've played with a backup quarterback for every. Game this season, apart from the, for the first quarter of the first game, uh, we've been playing with our backup quarterback, and that doesn't help any team. But I, I, I can, I'm not going to put our poor season and the uh, performance in the last couple of weeks. I'm not putting that down uh, to injuries or COVID. That's just life, James, and you, and you have to. And and the good teams have those issues too, and and they and they manage to pull through. So no excuses.
3: True, indeed. True, indeed. Couldn't agree more. Um, from the Philly side, it,
2: it, it is,
3: I mean, next man up, which is Jordan Howard. Uh, mm. will most likely get the start. in uh, some combination of him and Boston Scott. But Jordan Howard does show up on the uh, injury report with a neck injury. Look, I just, un- unlike the Tuesday night game we played basically two weeks ago, um, I-, I would like to see the, the, the head coaching staff, Sirianni, and the offense coordinator commit to the run earlier and not try to come out and throw the ball. And we've done that the last two weeks, both against, you know, your Washington team and this past Sunday against the Giants. And we got lucky against the Giants to only go into the half tied at three. You know, um, there were opportunities there, but there were only 12 total runs in the first half to 18 passes. And, and that number needs to be flipped. You know, we found ourselves in a 10 nothing hole to Washington before we, you know, came back and tied that up in the half, I believe, at 10 apiece before we scored the – you know, ten points in the third quarter to go up twenty to ten. Um, we, we, we it, it's like we're we're not taking advantage of the situations in front of us. With, with like you said, injuries and COVID is just the nature of every team in the league right now at this point in the season. But for these last two weeks, where we've had both Washington and the Giants decimated at key positions, primarily quarterback, we're facing like your third, fourth, like both these teams had guys they literally signed off other teams' practice squads two to three days before they played the game. You know, the, the, these are games in which we should be pouncing on you and and torturing your defense by keeping them on the field. And we can't do that if we don't run the football. And I don't understand what Sirianni's adverse adversity is to not running the football. It's like he's trying to get cute and switch things up we're still the number one team in the league in running the football. That that hasn't changed over the last couple of weeks. Still, despite the ineptitude of the play calling last week against the Giants and only getting 130 yards, the previous six or seven weeks before that, we were rushing over 200 yards a game. We need to get back to that, that, that dominance of running, you know, two tight ends, two wide receivers, whatever the situation is, run the football, you know, get Jordan Howard, get Boston Scott, those combined 30 carries plus in the game. Um, Even if it's Gainwell, who, if you've heard me so far this season, I I, I don't even like the fact that Gainwell's on this roster. I don't see what the coaching staff loves about him. Um, He's a rookie. There is potential and talent there, but, it, it, there was no reason to keep him over someone, say like a Corey Clement, who we could have absolutely used right now. But I mean, he's in a Dallas uniform this season. Um, that 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 was a position where it was unnecessary to sign him. You know, they, they signed um, Oh Carrion, who Johnson. Carrion Johnson, yeah, mm-hmm. former Detroit Lion to the practice squad, who will probably get elevated by the by Saturday, depending on how quickly he grasps to the playbook. But whoever's in the backfield, whether it's Howard, Scott, Gainwell, Johnson, if he makes the game day roster, that, that that combination should get the ball a lot. And then we can do play action with Jalen Hurts. And, look, Jalen Hurts didn't get the full immense um, structure of this offense in the offseason. He basically went from four games in his official rookie season of Doug Peterson to gra- trying to grasp this playbook. And we're in a situation where we absolutely have three draft picks in in next year's draft in the first round. And there's a myriad of things that we can do. But I think Hurts is the right quarterback for this offense, like you said, with his running and passing ability. He just needs a full offseason immersed in this scheme. And I need Sirianni and his brain trust on the offensive side to commit to the run early. That's Mm -hmm. it. And and things will move along for Jalen Hurts. And and he will
2: be that elite quarterback. I guess the big question for me would be, can you do that without Miles Sanders? Because let's face it, since he, I mean, I remember early in the season, everybody was calling, were Sanders, give the ball to Sanders, give the ball to Sanders. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Sirianni gave it to Sanders, and you started to win games. And I wonder if, uh, I wonder how it will be now without him. Um, I think we'll be fine. So, you know, when he finally did give the ball to
3: Sanders, that was in the Raiders game, which we ultimately lost. And mm-hmm. then Sanders missed the next four games. Um, he missed the Lions, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Saints. We won three of those four games. Um, and the combination of Boston, Scott, and um, Howard did an excellent job. That's actually where we started committing mm-hmm. to the run. You know, in the Lions game, I believe the totals, uh, We that was the first game we ran it for over 200 yards. You know, Jalen Hurts led the team in rushing that game, but I think mm-hmm. between the three of them, Hurts, Scott, and um and Howard, they all had a minimum 70 yards apiece. So that right there is 210 yards between the three, between the three of them alone, mm-hmm. um, you know, with whatever game will chipped in as well. But that's what things turn. So we can lean on Howard. We're not going to get those big pops like we do with Miles Sanders. You know, you saw last week there's a run against the Giants where we – I don't know where Travis, where Travis Kelsey uh, – not Travis, uh, Jason Kelsey came from. But He's a center. And he was 40 yards downfield blocking for Miles Sanders or what ultimately was the longest run of the season. You don't see that from many centers. And and that's why the strength of this team is its offensive line. You know, and I I dropped something in our NFC East chat yesterday about how, you know, in July they ranked us, the Eagles, with like the 29th worst (laughs) roster in the league at that time. And and here we are vying for a playoff Mm -hmm. spot. And I'm I'm confused because – there is veteran talent still on this roster, and our offensive and defensive lines are the strength of this team, period. I've, I've said that the last five years on this show. So how they got that twisted, us being 29th, I get the skill position players don't really set anybody's hair on fire, but when you have a good offensive line and a good defensive line, you can win football games.
2: And the coaches have is starting to figure that out. So in terms of uh... – in terms of the game this week, then, uh, and, and in terms of of your wide receiving core, uh, Devonta Smith has he been has he been what you expected, or is he still working his way his way towards becoming uh, an impact like Waddle has been with Miami, and also uh, of course Jamar uh, Chase has been with the Bengals.
3: I'd say both. Um, he's exactly what I expect and um he is on his way in into the company of those two receivers drafted before him um definitely he's the best receiver on the roster uh which mm-hmm. is not saying much considering the roster of wide receivers we kept um uh, we we know my disdain of jalen <laughs> rager who is not justin jefferson and uh by the way justin jefferson has made his second straight pro bowl
0: mm-hmm.
3: um <laughs> Uh, It it hurts that Justin Jefferson's rookie season numbers still dwarf Jalen Rager's combined career numbers (laughs) thus far. Um, It it is abysmal. Uh, Hell, Um, Devontae Smith's rookie numbers this season dwarf Jalen Rager's career numbers Mm -hmm. thus far. So, um, look, Jalen Rager probably with time, with patience, can be a competent wide receiver, but I don't think he's someone we should lean on. Can uh, number, number two really... number three? Yeah, definitely number three, yeah, De- yeah. but not a number one. De- definitely a number three. I, I like I like Quez Watkins as our two, but he's not getting enough reps mm-hmm. at the two because, again, I feel like Jalen Rager is being forced down the coaching staff's throat, and they don't have a choice but to put him out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's Howie Roseman trying to prove he made the right choice with that pick, where everyone knows, he didn't. Where well, you can see the guy who played who who was, who was picked right after him, for Minnesota, back-to-back Pro Bowls in his first two years in the in the league, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, um, was easily a candidate for Rookie of the Year last year. Um, mm-hmm. Easily the best wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings now. And, and by the way, they they do have a guy called Adam Thielen. So th- there is that. Um, look, outcome Oof. of this game, Neil. Um, I I believe what do we have here? Nate Orchard and the Sh Shazer Everett uh for your Washington team are still out for this game. You have Curtis Samuel, William Jackson, Jamin Davis all questionable. Daryl Roberts has been placed on the COVID list. The Eagles have Derek Barnett on the COVID list. Brandon Brooks may come back this week. Maybe next week. Um should we actually win the final two and make the playoffs? He could be available. Nate Herberg is questionable. Uh, with a knee injury, I mentioned Jordan Howard with the neck, and Sanders going to miss the last two weeks of the season with his broken hand. Um, I feel like the Eagles can win this game, but we have to commit to the run early and put Washington in a hole to where they're passing mm-hmm. so that the defense can try to do something to get, you know, mm-hmm. effective pressure on Taylor Heineke, who didn't mm-hmm. look well last week. But like you said earlier, my biggest concern is because of the beating you all took to Dallas. That will galvanize this team to put on a better performance this week, and that's what scares me more than anything.
2: Yeah. You know, whenever you watch an NFL game and a team gets gets 50 points put on them uh, and, and gets slaughtered, uh, that's usually a combination of, A, a bad team, B, injuries at key positions, and C, uh, just the fact that sometimes everything just goes wrong for, for, for <laughs> and your luck is just out. So uh, So that was kind of last week. I, th- I think this week, obviously, things will change a little bit. Uh, just to add to your injury list, though, James. Uh, we did put uh, starting well the guy who who has started at cornerback in the last couple of weeks due to COVID, uh, uh, Daryl Roberts. He's gone onto the COVID list himself today, so mm-hmm. uh, he's out. But I think Jackson and Fuller will both play, which will be a which will be a start uh, for this game, James. Oh, you guys really need this game because I think I think if you get into the playoffs, you're a team probably nobody really wants to face uh, uh, I, I think uh, I think that would be fair to say because uh, because you have that ability and you have the roster that if things go right you can actually I, I think do damage in the playoffs and, and maybe win a couple mm-hmm. of games uh, so I think yeah I definitely think you'll win this game uh, I think it might be closer though I think you might win it by a field goal three or four points uh, but a low-scoring game. Washington gives up 27 points per game. Now, I think you scored exactly 27 in the first matchup between these two we did. teams. Uh, so I think if you're around about 27 points again, you'll probably nick it. I will say something like
3: 27-24. All right. Um, and while I have you here, Neil, um, we learned yesterday uh, mm. the passing of John Madden. Um, look. You you can't tell the story of football without John Madden, and for us being fans of teams in the NFC East, um, you know, even though he started out as a head coach, my introduction to Madden was actually in Eagles Washington game, I, I believe one of Reggie White's first two years, and the that na- dynamic duel of Madden and Summerall called that game, and it was. To say it was an experience is an understatement I, for anyone who's never had the privilege of listening to John Madden talk about football um, during this, you know, during that heyday from what the early to mid 80s to the mid 90s covering the NFC and mostly like literally tons and tons of NFC battles, the NFC East battles between Washington, New York, Dallas and Philadelphia um. I, I explain what that was like for, for those teams because it, it seemed like you know th- those games seemed much more important than what they were despite whatever the team's records were despite who was fighting for a playoff whether it was early season late season there was something that Madden just brought out in broadcasting those games that just like it, it, it made the hairs on your arms stand up Uh th- T- tell me a little bit about you know your your experiences with with listening to Madden commentary games
2: ah oh, well first first of all James i would say that uh, i have never ever laid hands on watched or played the Madden football game so all my madden <laughs> experience uh w- was from the man himself in the commentary booth and i would i would say that you know his peak in the commentary booth uh runs parallel with when i started watching the game when i started watching the game in the mid 80s you turned it on and of course for a for a british audience and he was a you know a young scotsman who was getting used to watching the game uh and all of a sudden you had this this leviathan of commentators in terms of occult commentators uh, who could just Make it all simple for you. So he would—he—he he was, if you like, for 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 younger people listening, he was the Tony Romo, but just better. Uh, back in the day, uh, he explained the game to you, but he also talked to you as if he was sitting next to you in the sofa, watching it. It wasn't like he was standing over 40 or thousands of miles away, commentating on a game. It was like, yeah, turn around, and there was John sitting on the sofa next to you, having some pizza, uh, telling you why uh, Larry Allen just created a huge hole for Emmett Smith to run through. And and it was, and of course you had the absolutely super smooth caramel voice of uh, of Pat Summerall who went with him, and for me growing up watching the NFL, that was just so attractive to sit and listen to and, and understand and learn the game. So he, he basically those two, in a way, taught me the game. And you're right, for NSC East games, it was always that little bit extra pop when those two guys were commentating on them, because they were just you just knew okay. All the attention here it's on this game because they're sending the, the the number one crew to this this matchup and I would say, James, we obviously as you know, don't have Thanksgiving here in mm-hmm. in the u k it's not a- it's not a festival a celebration that we have at all, and I used to be absolutely fascinated uh by the uh the Thanksgiving games, and it would usually be a Dallas game, and there would be John Madden. Uh, you know, basically ripping apart some sort of uh, turducken or or, or similar, <laughs> and, as he told you, and, he, and then he was presenting this turkey with six legs, and you would think, well, yeah. they, 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 what what the hell was this st- <laughs> 6 leg turkey? <laughs> uh, and the, the way, but then would, he would use his little uh, his little pad and draw circles and crosses and say, cut it here and slice it there, and it was just you know some of the most memorable moments certainly in my and my NFL watching over the years, would always be going back to when he was uh, basically tucking into a turkey leg, which was just. And then they would have uh, they used to have the some sort of award, didn't they, on the on the Thanksgiving game with when Dallas was playing, and then they got this that the award that they presented and so and it was just, it was just yeah, they uh... give out
3: the they he would give out the turkey leg. It, it originally just started as just like you said, a, a turkey that they would bring out just a big. Yep. I, I, I don't even know where they found these turkeys sometimes, but these are some <laughs> of the biggest turkeys. Like they put it on the tray, and 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 folks, I kid you not. Know, if you dig through the YouTube footage, yeah, three people had to carry the serving tray <laughs> that this turkey was on. That's how big it was yeah. to bring out. And typically, it was, you know the legs would go to the player of players of the game. Well, one year, like you said, it was Dallas and Emmitt Smith, and you know the Cowboys' heyday, and. I can't remember what the final score was. All I no. know is that Emmett Smith and the <laughs> offensive line struck the opposition. And, you know, that's when we first saw the six legged turkey because he wanted to give a turkey leg to Emmett Smith and the entire starting <laughs> yeah. offensive line. Offensive line, yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, and, and, and that, that's where the six legs came from.
2: <laughs> and I think I think there's other things to remember with him. He was because he was obviously he was larger than life character in Absolutely. himself. He had this magnificent bus he used to drive around because he didn't want to fly and he had this this, it was basically a what was it a, a box well, yeah generation. he had he had anxiety with flying, and, yeah.
3: and trust me i I get that I completely understand it um I don't like flying myself i I tend to pretty much stay up twenty four hours before a flight so I can go to sleep, but yeah he he has this he had this terrible like gripping mm-hmm. fear of flying to to the point of of like i said just like severe anxiety he yeah. He started riding the trains. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to games and and then like you said, eventually he got the Madden Cruiser. And you knew if they if they went to the game and you didn't know it was commentating, and you saw
2: that Madden Cruiser outside the stadium. <laughs> you knew you were in for a treat. And uh, Just on, on a side note, James, I could imagine you with your own Madden Cruiser. But uh, they, <laughs> the other, I love the other, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing was, I think it's worth noting. I think with with Madden was people might say to you, "Oh, did he think he was bigger than the game?" Or so. And I would say, when I was growing up watching the sport, he was the game. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, absolutely. And I
2: think that, that sums it up. It was. It just wasn't right if it, if Madden wasn't telling you about it or Madden wasn't, uh, 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 you know, part of part of the action. It was just just absolutely sensational days. And uh, obviously, uh, we'd want to extend our condolences uh, to to his family. And so, uh, I would say there's there's also a more serious side. To what he did in the NFL, James obviously with his with his achievements as a coach and all the rest of it. But if you look now at the at the uh, the annual meetings of the NFL owners, then th- they have this group with the subcommittee, which is the coaches subcommittee of the com- the competition committee. Mm-hmm. And that coaches subcommittee was started uh, following the advice of of Madden, and that was because he wanted more safety around players. And and of course you're you're talking about that something like years and years ago, and we only speak about it now, of course. But that was years right. ago, and he was a man with a vision, I guess, ahead of his time there, and that's important to to note as well. It definitely was, um, and, and, and like you said, he he was the everyman. You
3: know, people talk about how yeah. they love football, they love watching football. No, John Madden, like you said, not not just was football, but he. You you can't quantify or, or put into words how much this man loved football, but you felt it when he talked about it. Yeah. Like there was no doubt. Like the the moment he opened his mouth and talked about football, mm-hmm. you you could tell. Like you you felt it that his his, his love for this game was undeniably just overwhelmingly. It, 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 like it, like he embraced this game like no one else did. And from his coaching days, and, and, and by the way, for, for those who don't know, he only coached 10 mm. years. Yep. He has the highest winning percentage of any coach with over 100 victories. His final record was 103-32-7. All right. So for as long as Bill Belichick's been coaching, his winning percentage is nowhere close to John Madden's. That's a 760 win percentage for those, you know, non-math majors. At home. 76% of his games, he won. That that doesn't happen in today's football world, nope. you know, over a 10-year span. Um, you know, you talk about the Super Bowls, the great players he coached, uh, litany of Hall of Famers on his squad, um, those Raiders teams. Uh, the booth, the video game, look, I, I did grow up on the Madden game as well as listening to them commentate. I probably played the first 20 or so Madden video games out the box, you know, and, and – it it, it wasn't just, it wasn't video game football. If you didn't know what you were doing, the commentary alone from John, you know, throughout that game would let you know, hey, this is not what you do here. You know, one of the classic lines in one of the first, in the first run of games, I think for like the first five or so years that they were able to put his voice actually into the game when you're calling plays, despite the down and distance. Um, Classic line where he says, even if the uh, defense knows you're going to run the ball on first down, it's probably still a good idea to run the ball on first down just to keep them honest, mm. you know, mm. and, and that has stuck with me to this day. Even when we do this show, we talk about why our team's struggling to, you know, get their offenses going because they they can't run the ball or they choose not to run the ball. I will always fall back on that. And I get that from John Madden, you know, yes, we can say it's a passing league, but there are 32 teams in the league. and honestly only half of them can throw the ball well on every single down. There's only about 10 to 16 teams that can pretty much line up every snap four or five wide and just throw the ball all the way down the field. The other 16 are trying to do it because they either don't have the quarterback, they don't have the lineup, they don't have the receiving court and they probably should run the football. Okay. And I get all that from Madden. So yeah, yeah he, he, he will dearly be missed. Um, prayers and condolences to his family and loved ones. Um, the NFL community is still in mourning. I, I expect lots of tributes this weekend, um, especially from the Raiders. Um, the league office has already tweeted. Many a video going around on Twitter from you know, his days of broadcasting with Summerall. Uh I don't know if you've seen the video clip with uh the Super Bowl between the Giants and the Broncos where he's talking about the bucket, the mama bucket and the Papa yes. bucket had the baby bucket. <laughs>
2: That's right, yeah. You know, That's right. um I saw I saw one this afternoon, James, and it was it rem- I actually watched this one. It was it was it's the one where he uses the what's the thing they use where they can they can draw things on the on the screen. Whatever that's called. The telestrator, uh, yeah. The telestrator. And he used the telestrator to demonstrate why Troy Aikman uh, has a terrible attempt at growing a beard. And it's <laughs> and it is just it's just forty seconds of, of summing up exactly uh how how, how he took to to uh, describing the football games for you was just brilliant. Absolutely. Um well
3: rest in peace John Madden um you will dearly be missed. Um Neil uh, do you have anything but, else to add? I to you, I have one here? more
2: question. I have one more question for you. obviously James my um being a Washington fan my, my the, mo- the most important part of my season is the draft because it's the only bit we really are uh, <laughs> really involved in. Uh, but I, <laughs> oh, yeah, looking forward to that already. I was noting, of course, and all, all all college season, I've been noting that uh, obviously Philadelphia now have their three first round picks, uh, with Indianapolis uh, giving Carson Wentz seventy five percent of the of the snaps. So, James, that it's been getting worse and worse and worse every week for you in terms of your draft position. So now you're currently sitting with your three first round picks. <laughs> Wait for this, your first one's not until pick nineteen. Nineteen twenty and twenty-three. So, A, is that a bit depressing that you're way down there in, in the first round, or do you, and B, do you see yourself trading those uh, picks to to move up?
3: Um, I can see trading the picks to move up in the draft, depending on the talent's coming out. And again,
2: like I said, you, like I said, you
3: you watch more college football than I do. Um, if, if for whatever reason the brain trust, the ingenious brain trust sarcasm in um, Philadelphia thinks that they should move on from Jalen Hurts and try to get a quarterback. I don't think it'll be through the draft. I think it will be by acquiring most likely Russell Wilson. Um, I know Deshaun Watson is a name that's still out there in the ether, but he is still out there in the ether for a reason. Um, and, and look, his his legal um, situation at this time, which we already covered, ad nauseum in the offseason doesn't bear rehashing right now we know what's going on um we don't know when a decision is going to be made as far as the ruling his guilt or innocence and that not to mention the civil cases um that's that's a level of heat and drama the eagles definitely don't want to deal with while he's still going through it So, so for all the deshaun watson talk his name is definitely off the table you know it was one thing with michael vick bringing him in because one, he was being brought in as the backup initially Two, he had already paid his dues to society. He had served his time in federal prison. um, And and actually served the full term of the year and a half, two years, whatever that sentence was. Um, He, he he came out, he did all the right things. He's still doing all the right things, you know, for all intents and purposes. um, for, for, For what he did, you know, he he's made amends. He's, turned his life around in that regards. He's teamed up with uh, uh, animal rights groups and everything like that. So, yeah, it was a big headache coming in because there were fans were like, I'm not going to be Eagles fan. You sound like a big, so what? Don't be an Eagles fan. Um, but that was a that was a completely different situation. He, he All of what he had done and gone through was in the past. Deshaun Watson is still going through that now. The The only downside I see with acquiring Russell Wilson, do we want to do this? for about, what, two or three years of Russell Wilson, because he is 30, you know? And granted, he's taking great care of his body. Russell Wilson? We, yeah, I, I mean. He's 33. So, oh, so excuse me. I, I'm off several years. So again, two to three Just, years of Russell because Wilson. Because he looks like a
2: chipmunk. He's so small, you see.
3: Yeah. Now, granted, but Now, granted, now, now here's the upside. We have a better offensive line in Seattle by leaps and bounds. We don't have the same receiving core as Seattle, so while he may have time to throw, will the other receivers not named Smith and Goddard be open enough for him to get them the ball? That mm-hmm. and and, there, and that's that's the downside to that, and this is why I feel keeping um, Jalen Hurts building around him, shoring up that defense, which has played better than my expectations this year, due to some, you know, questionable play calling. Um, do we sure up that side of the ball? Do we try to acquire another weapon on offense, you know, uh, or uh, tool up this offensive line? Because I, I want people to understand that while we do have our starting center and starting tackles from week one, we are on our second and third string guards, respectively. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we, we have our, you know, second string, left guard, third string, right guard playing over these last eight plus weeks of the season and again we're still leading the league in rushing so that that says something there as far as yeah we can find talent for the line it's the skill hmm. position that always scares me
2: <laughs> okay so I mean for me looking at the eagles maybe a more objective view i would say you should stick with your quarterback i think uh, i think why not hurts hurts well let's, uh, absolutely hurts yeah. hurts isn't hurting you so let's uh, let's, <laughs> uh, let's 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 look and what you do have is with, with three two, three first round picks is you have a chance to if you're not using it on a quarterback or trading up or trading the picks for a quarterback, then you uh, you have three first round picks to really put three premier, hopefully premier players on rookie contracts across your either your defense or offense or both. So uh, yeah, I think I think why not bolster the roster? I mean, you could you can really put yourself in a position to uh, to really have one of the one of the best. Uh, uh, groups there in the league. The other thing, of course, you could do, James, is uh, is uh, more uh, you know trade those picks for future picks and uh, and and then they give you another year to see if Jalen Hurts is the guy. Yeah, and and,
3: and that's an option as well that I wouldn't be opposed to. Um, but yeah, we, look, there's talent. My thing is, if you're drafted in the first round, you're expected to contribute. Um, there's probably more pressure on you in the top half of the draft as opposed to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm kind of upset that you know, the Colts are vying for a playoff spot. That does hurt, but, mm. you know, they, they have a competent head coach who basically <laughs> took the ball out of Wentz's hands and turned yeah, it over just, to their running game. I'm so to say
2: that has very little to do with Wentz, to be fair. <laughs> uh, no, no, trust me. It's all yeah. Taylor. It,
3: yes, it's all always, yeah. Taylor. And, now, don't get me wrong. Wentz has had probably his best season since his MVP year, but the offense isn't dependent on no. him.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. It, it all runs through Quentin Nelson and and the boy Taylor. Yeah, yeah. So, he's um, uh, he's he yeah, is yeah. what league league average at best. Taylor is uh, leading the league in rushing right now. Oh, no, no, Wentz, Wentz is he's,
3: he's league oh, average. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd probably say he's
2: above average, good. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't. Mean, you honestly, know, if I was if I was putting if I was putting my life on the line for a fourth quarter drive, I'm not sure Wentz would be my top fifteen quarterbacks. No,
3: no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> no, because <laughs> he he's still making boneheaded mistakes that he made his last two years in Philadelphia. Yeah. Mostly, which the the main one being he's standing in the pocket uh, and he's double and triple cocking <laughs> the ball and not throwing to anybody, and it's like you're going to take this sack when there's clearly someone open and you're not throwing them the football. So. Just
2: throw the ball away sometimes. Get out of the pocket, throw the ball away. You know, just, geez. Throw it yeah, he, 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 does, he does hold the ball way too long still. He does because he's always trying to make the big
3: play happen. And my thing is let the big play happen naturally. Stop trying to force it. But mm-hmm. that's what he does. That, that's who Carson Wentz is now. He's the guy that's trying to make the big play happen with every single mm-hmm. throw on mm-hmm. every single play. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he's never going to get out of that and no it's too late for that, isn't it? yeah it, it's way too late and you can say part of that is from his sophomore season when the eagles went to the super bowl because there were plenty of big plays that season um at least four or five every single game where he could drop back look downfield and find alshon jeffrey or nelson aguilar tory smith screaming 30 yards downfield wide open or in one-on-one coverage he doesn't mm-hmm. have that anymore you know no. he hasn't had that for the last three to four years and yet he's still trying to make that happen but it's not there. And like you said, he's stuck in that. And I don't think there's any breaking him. You know, he's he's back with Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator that season. And he hasn't broken him out of it. You know, it it took, and I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks, but it took Quentin Nelson, like you said, on the side and be like, hey, let's run the ball a couple of times here. Let's get this run game going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's what's turned their season around. Because if they were if they were still play calling the way they were in the first quarter of the season, they would not be in a position to make the playoffs right now. They
2: wouldn't. No, that's so. fair. That's fair. That's very fair indeed, yeah. yeah. Do you think uh, – so, James, just uh, Eagles make the playoffs, yes or no? Uh, right now I say yes
3: if we continue to commit to the run early. And and, that, and that's the part that's like – like I, I've thrown things – at my TV the last two weeks because in the first <laughs> quarter we've come out 75% pass. And then all of a sudden it's, you know what, um, maybe we should go back to the run. And you got lucky because, again, the, 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 the last two weeks, the teams that we've played have not been good due to, again, litany of injuries and COVID racking their rosters. So their best players haven't been out there. It's a, it's, look, it's, this is not the same Washington team we played two weeks ago. You know, the majority of the people who missed that Tuesday night game are going to be available this week, including Taylor Heineke. And, I'm, and again, I watched that game on Tuesday night and said, if Heineke was the quarterback, we'd be losing 20 nothing right now. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that we only allowed 10 points due to, you know, inexplicable – one inexplicable turnover and one careless decision by Hurts. Um, because, look, that, that interception, that bounced off Goddard's foot, that doesn't happen. That's not a regular thing that happens. He he drops that ball and he's expecting it to hit the ground, not kick off his Achilles into the hands uh, <laughs> uh, 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 of Landon Collins. Like no, no, that doesn't. That's not a natural thing to happen. That ball hits your hands and you miss it. It hits the ground. It doesn't carry him off the back
2: of your foot. Yep, that's fair. So, uh, I think this time, of course, there won't there'll be no Garrett Gilbert. It will be uh, it will be Heineke. So it'll
3: yeah, it be will key. be Heineke. So I think I think that's a big difference maker right there. So, yeah, like I said, closer scored in 27-17. Um, I, I don't deny that. I, I just feel like if we commit to the run early and finish off drives, then, yeah. Um, the sad part about this is that, you know, Miles Sanders missing the last two weeks of the season. He is pretty much going into record books for the wrong reason. Most yards from scrimmage without scoring a touchdown.
2: Mm. Who's your last game of the season against? Dallas. Where? At Philly.
1: Hmm.
2: Wow, that's going to be some game, that one.
3: <laughs> Depending on if Dallas still has a shot at the number one seed, we'll see what they do against Arizona this week.
2: Yeah, that's also fair. Yeah, they might rest, guys. They might, but, but then they might, they might play, guys, to try and keep you guys out of the playoffs.
3: Or keep from playing us in the first round. Yeah, also. Because as of right now, it's uh, they're two, we're seven, so we would meet in the first round of the playoffs. Hmm, wow. Well.
2: Oh, playoffs. One can dream. <laughs>
3: All right. <laughs> All right, Neil, uh, appreciate you uh, jumping on this week. Uh, we definitely got to get you one in the playoffs, whether Washington is there mm-hmm. or not. We'll try to work some things around here to get your commentary on um, on everything going forward, especially the draft. Um, but again, th- th- thank you, uh it's been far too long since we've had you here, uh, and, and definitely missed your voice on this podcast.
2: Yep, good to hear your voice too, James. And uh, if I don't speak to you beforehand, I hope you have a great new year and 2022 is is good for you and your your family.
3: All right, same to you, Neil. Thank you. Happy New Year as well.
2: Yep. Take care, James. See you later.
0: See you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
3: all right, and I was myself and Neil talking about Madden, the prospects of the Eagles and football team going forward, and we'll just keep it rolling here with the rest of the Sunday slate, starting with the Atlanta Falcons and the Buffalo Bills. MJ, uh, the Falcons move up one spot from 24 to 23. The Bills move up from 11 to 7. The Bills are 14.5 favorites, and while you are the lone person probably – associated with this program, picking the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, <laughs> yep. Rob, I, I – Hey, look, Rob, Rob, our Bills fan, does send us a little something. We'll, and, and let me get through this real quick, and I'll just turn the floor over to you. But he said Bills are playing like we all thought they would since the second half of the Bucks game. Seem to have hit their stride and are coming up in complete domination of the Pats. Don't be fooled by the score. Bills didn't punt. Only drives with the Bills did not end up inside the 20 where the end of the first half and the end of the game. Now they must beat Atlanta to procure the division. Bills on offense should be fine. Josh Allen is coming off his best game of the year, and they seem to uh, even have a running game. Isaiah McKenzie, who will make Beasley expendable after the season, played great, gave the offense some speed and juice, expect them to do more with him. On defense, the Bills may have – A bit of trouble with the Atlanta offense. Patterson is the type of guy who gives the Bills problems. I do expect this to be a mildly close game, but one that the Bills do ultimately win. Falcons nineteen, Bills thirty. MJ, the floor is yours.
1: (laughs) So the one thing I'll say, or maybe not one thing, but a couple things. Um, When for those people who actually watched last week's game against the Lions. when we had that one fumble uh, that I believe it was Russell Gage who made the fumble, um, and it was somewhere somewhere around the two- to three-minute mark uh, of the fourth quarter, last year's Atlanta Falcons team would have lost that game um, because last year's Atlanta Falcons team did not play four full quarters of football. Now, while the team is only seven and eight, They've only won two games at home every week if you just watching the highlights, you might not see this, but when you watch the whole game, you can see every week the Falcons are getting better um and again the the one of the things that lets me know is how much better the defense is playing as the game gets closer to its end. One thing that I've been saying for years is the defense typically only plays three quarters of football. Lately, the defense has been playing more and more uh, or closer and closer to four full quarters of football. Again, that interception last week and essentially sealed the win. And, again, they've been getting better and better. While the running game still isn't legit, it's decent enough to keep most defenses honest especially when we run the ball to the left side of the line. Um, There's something going on on that left side of the line that the right side hasn't figured out yet, but the left side of that line is where we get our strongest run game. So as long as we keep pounding the ball on the left side, I think the run game will continue to get better. Now, granted, it's only a couple games left in the season, so how much better can they get in these last two games is a very fair question to ask. It's not like, you know, They're just going to turn into some magical, amazing team in the last two weeks. But they are consistently getting better. Um, One thing that I like is Matt Ryan and Kyle Pitts are finally developing a, um, a rapport on the field because there were some very nice throws that Matt Ryan made to Kyle Pitts last week that are very reminiscent of throws that Matt Ryan used to make to Julio Jones. So while Kyle Pitts is a is technically a tight end, he's not a, a legit wide receiver, he's definitely making the catches that you would expect the wide receiver to make. Now, are we going to beat the Buffalo Bills? I like our chances to beat Buffalo. Um, Buffalo's passing game is definitely going to give the Falcons defense problems. But, again, the defense is getting better and better. Um, our run game, I think, will legit give Buffalo's defensive front some issues. So I'm going to go ahead and call it Falcons over Bills, 24 to 17.
3: All I'm going to say is that um, there are multiple playoff implications on this game for both squads. Yep. Buffalo doesn't claim oh, that, the playoff berth and I'm, by and I, I,
1: I And I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt you, but the other thing I want to throw out there is, as of right now, and people are going to laugh at me because I'm hanging on to this. I'm hanging on to this 5% chance that we have to make the playoffs. <laughs> it's only 5%, but it's better than zero, and I will take that. I'm sorry. Go
3: ahead, James. Oh, man. So Atlanta is officially eliminated from playoff contention with a loss. Um, Buffalo can't clinch anything outright with a win, um, but they do get one step closer to a playoff berth with a win and tons of help, uh, primarily losses by Baltimore or the Chargers and Raiders. Um, They can't also win a division yet. They have to win out. To win a division or a Patriots loss this week, which we'll see what that happens with you know when we get to that game. Uh, outside of that, MJ, um, aside from your you know staunch analysis, I, I will remind you that one the game is in Buffalo. Uh, the yep. temperature is expected to be 28 degrees and it's snowing. Be
1: cold. Mm-hmm.
3: And, and snowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did, did you ca- snowing? Mm-hmm. I, I, I know. know if you, I know. I don't know if you watched Bears Seahawks last week, but I didn't care what other game was on. I saw snow in the field. I watched that game, and thank goodness I did because it was a very good game. I love snow games. So if it wasn't for my Eagles playing at one o'clock, I'd be watching this game only for the snow. <laughs> 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 but. Yeah, just letting you know. No, I
1: know. It's, 28 it's, degrees. No, I know. I, I, know. I know. I know. I I know. I know. Okay. I know. Okay. I know. I know. I know. I get, the I know next again. game. 5%. I know. I know this.
3: The next 1 o'clock game we're going to cover is the New York Giants at the Chicago Bears. The Giants are holding at 29 in our power rankings. The Bears move up from 26 to 25. The Bears are also six-point favorites. Looks like we are all picking the Bears. And Jared, our Giants fan, sends in uh, Giants workplace injury report in COVID days without incident, zero. Spoiler, it's zero every week this year. Uh, many snacks, Dexter Lawrence, one of the best uh, de- interior defensive linemen in the league, has finally been zeused from above with covid Uh, He might be the last original starter to not be injured or get COVID this year. I can't think of another off the top of my head. This is a toilet bowl of a game. Bears stink. Giants are starting Mike Glennon, who shouldn't even be in the NFL, with an O-line that is somehow worse than it was the prior week due to more injuries. Three points is generous. The Bears are putrid on both sides of the ball. Some injuries here or there, but just a poorly coached team that doesn't live up to their potential. The Giants own a lot of Bears' picks. So this is a no-win game for me. Best-case scenario would be a tie or actually Giants win because Giants own tiebreakers over a lot of the other terrible teams this year. So one more win for them won't move them much on the draft board. But if Chicago wins, it would make that Bears pick around 10 or 11 instead of a top 7 or 8 pick. So I actually hope the Bears do not win this week. Got to prioritize the draft if you're a Giants fan. And care about them winning. Giants 11, Bears 9. Ugly baseball game. <laughs> Giants <laughs> win by a neck. I see what he did there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Jared, you, you know, he, he is right about one thing. This will most likely be a toilet bowl of a game. Um,
1: yeah. I, oh, man. Uh, oof.
3: I got nothing. What, what about you?
1: <laughs> um, I, I'm pulling for the Bears because oh, book before. Do well, no, no, no. We'll get to that in a second. I'm definitely pulling for the Bears. Um, I am a Justin Fields fan. It's no secret well... I wanted the Falcons. No no, 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 no. I know, I know, I know. I know you're going to get to that in a second. But so it's it's no secret that I wanted Justin Fields to be drafted by the Falcons. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy with who we drafted and the production that we've got, but I was wanting Justin Fields. That being said, I still want to see him and his team do well, except against my Falcons. Other than that, (laughs) I'm going to stick with Justin Fields, quote-unquote Justin Fields, and the Bears. But I know you've got something to say about that coming up, so go ahead.
3: Justin Fields is on the injury report, and yes. I did skip yours, so I'll get back to that as after we're done with this. But uh, the injury report does have Justin Fields with an ankle injury. He was limited in practice. Uh, so, again, we won't know who's going to start probably till the end of the week between Fields, Foles, or Dalton. Take your pick. Uh, it was Foles who quarterbacked them to a win this past week against the Seahawks in that snow game. Uh, Jakeem Grant is in concussion protocol. Xavier Crawford. Was placed on IR with his concussion. Uh, Duke Shelley is listed as questionable uh, for the Giants. Their litany of injuries includes Graham Gano, their kicker, is on the COVID list. Uh, Colin Johnson, a wide receiver, Keon Cross, and the cornerback uh, did not participate in practice. Uh, hamstring and returning from the COVID list, respectively. John Ross has a knee injury. Kyle Rudolph has an ankle injury. Kadarius Tony. Uh, mispractice with his shoulder injury. Saquon Barkley's nursing an ankle. They're all listed as questionable. Uh, Raymond Johnson, the third, the defensive end, and Austin Johnson, the defensive tackle, also listed as questionable. Dory Jackson has, uh, has been placed on the COVID list. So his availability is up in the air, along with defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. Uh, he was placed on the COVID list as well. Uh, back to the Falcons and Bills. Uh, The Bills have Emmanuel Sanders, who has a knee injury. He's limited in practice. Ed Oliver, Jaquan Johnson, Vernon Butler, all show up as questionable. Cam Lewis was placed on the COVID list on Monday. Uh, For the Falcons, they have uh, Jonathan Bullard, Jalen Hawkins, uh, Hayden Hurst, Richie Grant, uh, Felipe Franks, James Vaughters, Brandon Copeland, Taji Sharp uh tyler davidson marlon davidson uh these are all players who are currently on the COVID list fabian moreau is questionable so as right now all those other names are out check back towards the end of the week see who clears the list and will be available on sunday uh now that i've cleared all that up the next game on the docket is the kansas city chiefs who move up from two to one in our power rankings. Four-and-a-half-point favorites as they travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Looks like we are all taking the Chiefs. And Nick, our smug Chiefs fan, sends us, both these teams are coming in hot after big wins, but I don't think that the bump that Joe Burrow got from calling out his franchise's home city as a joyless hellhole will last until next week. The Chiefs, meanwhile, are stacking up the kinds of trends that look to be sticking around heading into an important stretch of the calendar. KC now has the number four scoring offense, number five scoring defense, the latter of which is especially surprising given that they start off the year with a month-long imitation of those no-show Saints defenses around 2010. Only one team has scored more than 10 points on the Chiefs in the past six weeks, and that team was on the road without their best D lineman, Chris Jones, best linebacker Willie Gay, and best cornerback Legarius Sneed. Every team has injuries but jokes on Cincinnati. Those guys are all back this week and Casey should have roughly its full complement of starters. Since he does have a nice core of young skill position players, but the Chiefs have rounded into the kind of form where any team has to score a minimum of 30 points on them just to have a chance, but Cincinnati has scored 30 or more points six times already this season, you say. Yes, and all six of those games were against scoring defenses ranked in the bottom third of the league. Pittsburgh, Vegas, Detroit, Jersey, and Baltimore twice. Good luck against a healthy Chiefs D. Meanwhile, the notion that the Chiefs offense can't beat two high safeties has not just been debunked. But shattered for nearly a month now, according to Timo Riz of Pro Football Focus, the Chiefs gained not just yardage, but a first down on 46% of their plays against two-high coverage over the past three weeks, leading the league. Good luck again. Look, look, tiger print pajamas can can be fun for a frisky good time on occasion, but don't expect those to work every week. Prediction. Chiefs shred the tiger print pajamas, thirty-five to twenty. Um, do you want to contradict that in any way, shape, or form, or have anything to uh, say to Smug Nick?
1: <laughs> As this is probably going to be his new name going forward. Unfortunately, no, because I'm. Uh, my delivery may have been a little bit different. I essentially agree with everything he said.
3: Now. Um, Playoff scenarios for this game. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals can clinch the AFC North by beating the chiefs. Um, on the flip side, the Kansas city chiefs have already won the West, but winning this week, coupled with a Titans loss, uh, can clinch a first round bye. and they will own the one seed outright and can chill in week 18. So, uh, scenarios riding for both teams uh the, the my only concern with the Chiefs riding this high streak uh, this long streak of wins um granted against gets talent literally all over the place from top middling to below average is that this time they're on the road against a very competent Bengals team in most aspects of the game they have had some stinkers along the way and yet yeah, to his point the six times they scored thirty points were against some of the worst scoring defenses in the league. Um and the Chiefs haven't given up thirty points in a game since September. Yeah. Maybe early October. So um yeah, it's it it's safe to still ride the Chiefs on this one. I, I would love to give the, the 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 Bengals more hope in this game, but I I just don't have it <laughs> to give at this point. Uh, why would next,
1: why, why, why would you love to give them more hope?
3: Because uh, I, I would love this game to be competitive. I think this is a game that can get ugly early. And knowing okay, that's the fair. Chiefs, that's, fair. that's if, fair. If the Chiefs score for, if somehow the Chiefs defense gets two stops early, and this game goes to fourteen nothing or twenty-one three, change the channel because there's no. Way, I, I'm not saying there's no way, but I don't have high hopes of the Bengals getting back into this game. Um, for the Chiefs. Uh, they will have, uh, Travis Kelsey back this week as he is off the COVID list. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, uh, was designated to return from injured reserve. That's uh, one of the backup running backs due to a hamstring injury. So he may be available for Sunday's game. Clyde Edward alaire didn't practice. He has a shoulder injury listed as questionable. Nick Bolton, their linebacker is also listed as questionable. Uh, Tommy Townsend and Mike Rimmers, Uh, Currently show up on their COVID list. Uh, For the Cincinnati Bengals, they have linebacker Logan Wilson with a shoulder injury. Jalen Davis, their corner, also listed as. Xavier Suofilo uh, was designated to return from injury reserve with his knee injury. Jermaine Pratt, Alden Tate are currently on the COVID list, along with DJ Reader, Darius Phillips, Brandon Allen, and Wyatt Ray. Uh, Camp Sample is questionable, along with Fred Johnson. The Arizona Cardinals travel to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cardinals are falling like a stone lately here. Uh, they wait, fall wait, wait, wait. Hold
1: on, hold on. Do we want to cover them right now? The Cardinals? And the Cowboys. Why not? They're a... What time are they playing?
3: I believe that is still a one o'clock game unless it got shifted. Nope. Okay, okay. my bad. That did get shifted to 4:25. That's
1: why I want. That's why I wanted to kind of. Unless <laughs> that's why I wasn't sure if you had newer information than I did. No, no, no. That that game was
3: shifted to 4:25. Was originally a one o'clock game. I and I have to remember that some of these times were switched to make yeah. all the to eliminate the competitive um, advantage of teams trying to play all out or not play all out, which is why certain games are being played simultaneously. Uh, (laughs) Then let's move on to the Miami Dolphins and the Tennessee Titans. Miami comes in uh, at falling from 15 to 16 in the power rankings. Tennessee moves up from nine to six in our rankings. And Jordan, our Titans fan, does send us something here. If I can just find it. Uh, Titans and Dolphins, uh, just when we're finally at long last starting to get healthy, we get a bunch of key players added to the COVID list. Who the hell knows who will be available on Sunday anymore? Titans need a win to clinch the division, which is big, because then we'd be able to truly rest players in Week 18. Not to mention if Titans win and Bengals beat the Chiefs, all of a sudden the Titans are the one seed in the AFC. COVID list aside, I thought the Titans had two big advantages this week. Titans' last game was Thursday. Dolphins' last game was Monday. Vrabel is 7-0 and on long weeks, game coming off a bye or a Thursday night game. Dolphins are very weak in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Our D-line, when healthy, has had dominant flashes, but Dupree and Autry are both on the COVID list, so who knows if we'll be able to take advantage. It's hard to predict this game so early in the week. All I know is Titans need to find a way to win no matter who's out there. I buried the lead on this one. Tannehill Revenge Game. I think we get it done. Tighten up and go Bengals. Titans 17, Dolphins 13.
1: (laughs) Um, Ooh.
3: I I, I like the score uh, considering what's available for both teams. Um, And yeah, you you know, uh, NJ, before I turn it over to you for your thoughts, I will say this uh, about the Dolphins, and and it's really not positive. They had a Saints team on Monday night starting a quarterback they just signed on Saturday who didn't get to the facility till Sunday so they could foreseed him what little of the playbook he could absorb in basically 24 to 36 hours. Right. And kudos to them for holding them to three points, but that defense should have been worn out. Like, they should have been running plays so many times that that defense was too tired to stop them, and yet they only put up twenty and therein lies the problem that i'm going that I'm having with the dolphins It's a lack of consistency and don't get me wrong they are they're a solidly good team, but they had a saints team with virtually no one really available to help out that offense. I mean, there were backup offensive linemen, a quarterback who was literally signed 48 hours before kickoff. Um, the only viable threat on the offense was Alvin Kamara. And, yet yeah, there was still half of that defense available. They should have wore that defense out, and, and they just didn't. And now you have a better all-around team that you're going to play in Tennessee, in Tennessee, and they mm-hmm. know what they have on the line here. And, 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 again, mm-hmm. playoff implications, Titans win a division, period. Regardless of what – all the Titans need to do is win this week or next week, and no matter what the Colts do, because that's who's second place in the division. The Titans win their division. They are looking to lock that up this week and, and, and just get it out the way. Currently, the Titans are – the uh, the Dolphins are the seventh seed, um, riding the seven-game win streak. I think that all comes to an end. Um, what about you?
1: Yeah, I definitely think the Titans and the Dolphins winning streak this week. Um, I was just looking at some of the teams that the Dolphins have beat over the last few weeks, and, yeah, they're, they're riding a nice little wave. I'm sure there's been a great confidence booster. I don't know if last week's game was much of a confidence booster, considering, you know, how 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 recently they had just signed their QB. Um, but, yeah, no, again, like you said, Tennessee is just an all-around better team. Tennessee is definitely shutting them down this week and clinching their division. No questions. All
3: right. Uh the Titans injury report, Harold Landry, Janoris Jenkins, Corey Levin, Aaron Brewer, they're all listed as questionable. Uh the COVID list has Autry, the Nico Autry, Jalen Brown, Buster Screen, Caleb Fairley, Bud Dupree, uh, Nick Westbrook Akini, Julio Jones, <laughs> uh, those are your players currently on the COVID list at the time of this recording. Again, keep a close eye on this. The vaccinated players will most likely be cleared by Friday or Saturday to play on Sunday. Uh, For the Miami Dolphins, um, they have John Jenkins, Adam Butler, uh, Brandon Jones, Preston Williams, Alan Hearns, Solomon Kinley, Albert Wilson, uh and th- those players are who are currently on the covid list at this point and that's your injury report for the dolphins players on the covid list <laughs> so um you're talking about two uh, excuse me three of their top four wide receivers um on that covid list one offensive lineman two defensive tackles <laughs> uh i mean they still got Tua hopefully that the what's left out there can block right and, if uh, not it's going to be yeah. a
1: long day.
3: It, well, depending on who can get cleared for Tennessee because if they get Bud Dupree um and Danico Autry off the covid list in time, excuse me, in time for the game then yeah, problems. But if neither one of them clears protocols before Sunday, that 17-13 score might be scary. Like you might be looking at a 13-10 game with the Titans driving just to, to win the game in the closing seconds as opposed to just holding on to the lead in a killing clock. Yeah. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the Indianapolis Colts are the next game on the docket here. The Raiders move up from 22 to 17. The Colts hold steady at eight Now, power rankings. The power rankings are picking the Colts uh, we are both picking the Raiders, and our Raiders fan, Monty, uh, does send us a little something in. Um, <laughs> Vegas at Apple's Colts. First, if you're not driving anywhere, let's raise the glass to the icon. Whether you knew of him while playing franchise mode, remember him handing out her duck and drumsticks on Thanksgiving games, or you are like old man Neil and remember him winning 100 games in 10 years, roaming the sidelines in those. Tight, tight, poly acid slacks. <laughs> Hall of Fame football legend John Madden made one hell of an impact on the game we all love. If you missed it, the NFL Network is replaying the All Madden special on Tuesday, January 4th at 8 p.m. Do yourself a favor. Set your DVR right now. He was the first person to light the commemorative Al Davis torch, and that lets you know just how much John Madden meant to the Raiders. always love seeing which players made the All Madden team. This list was not for the guys who had the best stats. It was for the guys who played the game with the most heart, the most grit. Cheers to the man who showed us the trenches where the big fellas went boom. Be on time, pay attention, and play like hell on Sunday. One of the best Hall of Fame speeches of all time. Rest in peace, Coach. Uh, Colts are a good team. They're peaking at the right time heading to the playoffs, and they have only one running back in the NBA. <laughs> They have the only running back, excuse me, in the MVP conversation. They should easily take care of the Raiders, except hold on, hold on. It's 2021, and nothing makes sense anymore. Lots of players coming and going on and off the COVID list. Currently 13 Colts and 12 Raiders, the biggest obviously being Carson Wentz, who tested positive after doing his own research. So now he's out for 10 days or five days or however many days it takes for the head of CBS call the league official, and get the starting quarterbacks back on TV. <laughs> Raiders are banged up all at all three levels of the defense, and Jonathan Taylor is going to win a lot of people, a lot of fantasy championship titles this weekend. Even so, I have a feeling that if it ends up being Sam Ellinger handling, handing it off to him, the Raiders are going to do just enough to steal an ugly one. Mad Max and Yannick Ngakwe are going to make some plays in honor of the great of the late great John Madden salute Uh, Raiders 23 Colts 20. Um, Yeah. At at the time of recording, as we mentioned in the beginning with the COVID protocols, Carson Wentz does find himself uh, on the COVID list uh, under the old protocols. He would miss this game, but he'll be tested again on Friday because he, again, his positive test was Monday. He's got five days isolated from the team. Uh, Yes, he is unvaccinated, but that's a new protocol. Your vaccination status now no longer has any impact on your isolation period. So he's got a five-day stint away from the team. He's back on the facility Friday and Saturday to retest. uh, If he presents asymptomatic or has diminishing symptoms, he will be a full go on Sunday. the game is in Indy. I guess that's a boost whether Wentz is available or not. But like you said, Jonathan Taylor's the only running back in the MVP discussion. And um, personally, I think he should get it. That's just me. I'm tired of seeing quarterbacks get the MVP year in and year out for having, granted, stellar seasons, but to the point to where we no longer talk about any other player in the league being MVP worthy outside of QBs. Uh, MJ, your thoughts?
1: Honestly, I'm picking the – I picked the Raiders this week on pure emotion. Um, I, I, I say the Raiders <laughs> pull this one out as one more in honor a Coach.
3: Indeed. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. I, I can get behind that as well. Um, personally, I, I just don't want the Colts to win any more games. <laughs> 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 as of right now, you know, whatever – would, Colts- would
1: it have anything to do with their quarterback, James?
3: I mean, you know – Look, Carson Wentz can miss the, rem- the last two games. He's already played the prerequisite snaps um, required for the Colts draft pick to officially belong to Philadelphia. So um, there's nothing that can be done for the Colts to retain that pick. Wentz has played, let's see, this is week 17. So he's he's played 15 of a possible 17 games. Yeah, I have a math degree, and I can tell you that the percentage of snaps he's played is high enough to where these last two games, even if he misses them, I don't really care. I I just wish they had lost more games along the way so that we could have a higher pick. Okay. That's pretty much all I got. Uh, The playoff clinching scenarios for this game is that um, Indy clinches a, a playoff berth with a win outright. That that's their easiest, best way to clinch a playoff berth, winning this game against the Raiders. Um it is in Vegas. Uh I, I do want the Raiders to win, honestly. Um yes, it has a little to do with John Madden and, and a lot to do with my 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 sheer hatred of, of Carson Wentz. Um and, and look it, it's not a evil hatred. It's more of a statistically looking at what he's done this season to the past two seasons in Philadelphia, and it's like, why couldn't you do these two things? But the eyeball test still tells me he's doing a lot of the same dumb stuff he was doing in Philadelphia, like holding the ball too long and not throwing it. So that's why he's taking a lot of hits unnecessarily. Uh, the injury report for both teams, starting with the Colts, as mentioned, Carson Wentz, as of now, on the COVID list, listed us out. Also on the COVID list. Uh linebacker Darius Leonard, uh tackle Braden Smith, linebacker Malik Jefferson, corner TJ Carey, safety J- Jaleel Aday, um, and running back Marlon Mack. Uh they do have Ryan Kelly their sa- uh center, and Andrew Sendejo, uh the safety listed as questionable, and tight end Jack Doyle uh didn't practice on Wednesday with a knee and ankle injury. Uh the Raiders uh, their COVID list includes Kendall Vickers, Darren Waller, their tight end, Will Compton, their linebacker, uh, Patrick On- Onwase, uh, the linebacker, Darius Fillon, the defensive tackle, K.J. Wright, their linebacker, Denzel Perryman, linebacker, Corey Littleton, linebacker, Casey Hayward, Jr., their corner. And I believe, yeah, that is that is pretty much it as of this point. Those are all the players who are currently out with COVID as of this recording. Divine Diablo, um, their linebacker, and Jonathan Hankins, a defensive tackle, are listed
1: as questionable.
2: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Boyd were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: The next game here at one o'clock is the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New England Patriots. The Jaguars hold steady at 32. The Patriots move fall from seven to ten. Uh, The Patriots are 15-point favorites, and while that is a lot, I do expect the Patriots to win this game but not cover. But Pat, our uh, Patriots fan, does send us a little something here, if I can just get to it. Uh, So we jumped the gun a little bit on the Patriots. The silver lining to losing to the Colts and Bills in back-to-back weeks is we're not even supposed to be here. That said, something happened during the bye week, that has changed how this team is playing defense, and it ain't good. And it's not COVID, but there was an illness that changed, uh, that ran rampant in the locker room before the Colts game. They came out flat. They got out physical. Versus the Bills, they played some weird zone scheme that Josh Allen just picked apart at will. They never adjusted, and the Bills went on to be victorious. Now here come the Jags. I'm hesitant because I don't want to jump the gun, but I think they – but I think we can safely assume the Patriots are getting past Jacksonville with a victory. Leaving a mega Week 18 battle versus the hot Miami Dolphins, beating Jacksonville gives the Pats 10 wins, which, funny enough, may not be enough to make the playoffs. Reminds me of a year when the Pats had 11 wins. The the nice thing we know, we have a QB that we can build the team around. We have to get younger on defense, maintain that offensive line, and get some more weapons around Mac Jones. If we make the playoffs, we probably won't do much. We might pull off a wild-card upset, but I don't suspect it will be a long road. This game, Pats 31, Jags 17. Uh, MJ, anything you want to add to that?
1: Um, The one thing I'll say is, what was it you said, that uh, New England is a 15-point favorite?
3: 15 points.
1: I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to win by more than 15.
3: Oh. Okay. Uh, I, have I, believe no, Wait, I have
1: no faith in Jacksonville.
3: Well, this game is in New England, so it, it is quite right. possible that this, this could cold. get ugly early and um,
1: turn into well, a,
3: a, a, a beating of epic proportions.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I say cold. I think it's supposed to be 54 degrees, which you know, coming from Florida, that is cold, but
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's here. I believe is it? fifty? Yeah, yeah, 54 possible precipitation. So yeah, light rain-ish type thing maybe going on there. Um, yeah, look. Be- be- Belichick should be able to show the rookie some things he hasn't seen before. Uh, right. Hopefully it's not a whole bunch of zone, as Pat was alluding to, but yeah. If there are no... Uh, I don't think there are any clinching scenarios here for the Patriots, uh, nope. Sorry, the Patriots do clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Miami loss, or a Vegas loss. That that's how they get into the playoffs this week. Jacksonville is on the clock, by the way. Um, yeah. The next game here, uh, the Carolina Panthers.
2: Um, if I'm,
3: if I'm um, correct here. Um, Nope, sorry, Um, not to care a (laughs) lot of Panthers. Sorry, that's another game that got shifted. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Jets, uh, the Buccaneers holding at number three in our power rankings, the Jets uh, at 31. The Buccaneers are 13-and-a-half-point favorites. We're all taking the Buccaneers. I don't think there's any reason to assume the Jets will put up much of a fight, if any, in this game. Uh, I mean, yeah, the um, – I mean, it's the Jets, and Tom Brady pretty much owns the Jets. Yeah. Um, Before I go any further, let me get back to Jacksonville and New England, um, because the COVID list for the Jaguars, not the injury list, the COVID list has 15 names on it. I'm not even going over all of them here. Uh, The big names – our defensive tackle, Malcolm Brown, uh offensive lineman, Cam Robinson. And that's pretty much uh Jacob Hollister the tight end. Uh th- th- those are the big names uh there. They did place running back James Robinson on IR with an Achilles. Um yeah, it's a mess in Jacksonville. The Patriots. Uh they do list linebackers Cameron McGrone and Brandon King. Along with line, oh excuse me, Josh Uche and Ronnie Perkins, all four linebackers on the COVID list. Um, J.C. Jackson, Dante Hightower, Adrian Phillips, Damian Harris, Jacoby Myers, Brandon Bolden, Nikhil Harry, Nick Folk, David Andrews, Nelson Aguilar, all listed as questionable into this game, non-COVID related. Various injuries, Aguilar's in a concussion protocol. With the exception of Aguilar, all the previous names should be available on Sunday because the Patriots are back up to the shenanigans of listing everybody on the injury report as questionable. Uh, back to the Buccaneers and the Jets. Um, yeah. I got nothing. What about you?
1: So the Jet yeah, the are a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, yeah. Last week, Tampa Bay put up 32 against the Panthers. I'm fairly certain they're going to put up more, or I'm I'm fairly certain they're going to win by more than 13.5 points. There's nothing about the Jets' defense that makes me think they can stop Tampa Bay. I just don't see it happening, especially when the fewest points the jets have allowed someone to put up. Well, no, hold on. Let me. No, 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 no. I'm not even going to say that because I don't. That's, that's not really going to matter. Um, so no, sorry, scratch that. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say the jets would have an advantage with the weather, but it's going to be 50 plus degrees in New York come Sunday and no precipitation. So, whatever. Um, yeah.
1: And your two biggest names on the Tampa Bay team are used to playing in cold weather. Yeah. I mean, granted, yeah. it's a team, team sport, however.
3: Tom and Gronk are used to smashing the Jets. Got it. Yeah. Um, the injury report, Richard Sherman is questionable. Antonio Brown was limited in practice with his ankle injury. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, their corners are both on the COVID list. Antonio Winfield Jr., Jason Pierre-Paul are listed as questionable. Wide receiver Mike Evans, linebacker Shaq Barrett, uh, tackle Rakeem nunez Uh Jalen Darden, wide receiver, uh, they're on the COVID list as well. Uh, sorry, Shaq Barrett is not on the COVID list. He has been diagnosed with a sprain, both MCL and ACL He will miss the last two games of the season. Uh, The Jets, uh, the Jets, the Jets have wide receiver Elijah Moore, Bryce Hall, Jared Davis, um, Tyler Croft. Uh, They're all on the COVID list. Connor McGovern was placed on injured reserve. That's their center, Trevon Wesco. Their tight end was also placed on injured reserve with a knee. Uh, Wide receiver Jameson Crowden and defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins are listed as questionable. Uh, Let's see. Is that it for the 1 o'clock games? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, No, we do have
3: one more game here. Very juicy matchup. The the L.A. Rams and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The Rams holding at number five in our power rankings. The Ravens. Fall from 12 to 13, another team going in the wrong direction. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, and, and last I checked, Lamar Jackson has been limited in practice this week, so he might be a go after missing the last two games. Uh, as of this recording, he is listed as questionable, had a pronounced limp in Wednesday's practice and was limited in such practice. Um, <sighs> I don't know what to say about this one, honestly. Because you, you got two teams here, and look, yes, you and I specifically, um, amongst our group of knuckleheads here on Next Fan Up, we have more than chided Matthew Stafford and his play this season at times. There was that three-week stretch in which they lost because he, no, not, Solely because of him throwing three pick sixes in each of those games. But, I mean, his play still does not inspire much of anything. They played the Vikings last week. And granted, yes, they won in a game that probably shouldn't have been close. And Stafford threw three interceptions. I'm still missing the point here where, like, well, you know, the people make the excuse for Stafford. He didn't have anything around him in Detroit.
1: Megatron. Okay, tron. Pl- that part I love to bring up a lot. Um, But he's got supposedly
3: better talent, and we're not going to argue that. Let's just outright say the talent he has this season is better than any complete group he's had in Detroit at any given point in his career. That's um, fair. That is fair. Okay, he can sling the deep ball, so what? Something Jared Goff couldn't do supposedly um but these last couple of weeks he's been a turnover machine, and aside from a Monday night rematch in which personally they got lucky due to dumb coaching by Clip Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals, they really aren't inspiring any hope on the offensive side of the ball not. Not to me. I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm not a Stafford apologist. Uh, again, I'm a realist. I look at things as they are, and as they are right now. Is Stafford playing overall good football this season? Yes, but lately, if you look at his last five weeks, I'm not impressed. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm especially not after last week, where he threw three picks against Minnesota, a game that they basically had to hang on to win. And yes, don't get me wrong. Minnesota is a talented team, but I mean their two best players are Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. There's not much on that defense that should have, you know, resulted in him throwing three interceptions. I'm 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 sorry. There's, there's just not I I I I I don't I What do, you, what do you got, MJ?
1: <laughs> so I am no fan of Stafford. I mean, we, we've we kind of established that. However, well, let, let me also say, originally and I, I still do have Baltimore picked to win this game. Some of that is assuming that we get Lamar back for this game because if Josh Johnson gets the nod to start, I don't know that he's going to put up the kind of performance it will take to beat the Rams. Um I mean, there's no denying that the Rams are 11 and 4. They are first place in the NFC West. They are the team to beat in the NFC West right now. Um and yeah, he yeah Stafford has thrown three picks, but over the last, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, it's tough for me to sit here and say statistically that Baltimore will beat the Rams from a statistic standpoint. An actual play on the field, I don't know that I can honestly say that the that that Baltimore will beat the Rams. Um, if Lamar does not play, this game goes to the Rams. If Lamar plays, I like his chances to beat the Rams because I'm not really impressed with the Rams' defense because I look at the games that they've won. Most of them have not been – oh, no, no, no. They've they've, they've won some good games. Um, I'm still not necessarily impressed by the defense especially when I look at some of the teams that they've beaten. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I don't know. This one is one that I'm going to leave in the hands of fate and see what happens because, like I said, if Lamar plays, I like his chances. If he doesn't and, and, and Josh, Josh Johnson gets the start, this game goes to the Rams.
3: Well, Josh Johnson wouldn't be the starting quarterback if Lamar doesn't play. It would be uh, Tyler Huntley
1: who has ah, played
3: okay. quite w- who's played quite well. Now, granted, yet yeah, this past week, Huntley landed himself on the COVID list. Um, a- as of this recording, he is currently still on the COVID list. So his availability is up in the air. Pay- again, pay attention to that towards the end of the week. But, but Lamar is practicing. And my thing is, if Lamar is practicing despite his pronounced limp, he's going to play. Um, I, I don't see how he doesn't play. You know, he's missed the last two weeks of that injury. Um, he will be a headache. I do think this this game hinges more on the Rams defense than any other unit on the field between these two teams, um, because the Rams defense actually does show up and play like a ball hawking all star defense as they are constructed. Because let, let's be real, the the Rams stay in win now mode every single year. Um and yet somehow avoid violating the salary cap. Um but if this defense plays up to snuff, I don't see how they shouldn't win, but again, Lamar's out there. Good night. I'm just just give me the Ravens. Um this game is in Baltimore. So there is that to go as well. Um the other players listed on the injury report include Anthony Levine Sr. Uh, Malik Harrison, both of them are listed as questionable. Devin DuVernay has an ankle injury. Uh, Darius Washington, their safety was placed on the COVID slits. Uh, Tyree Phillips, Ben Powers, and Patrick Rashard also show up as questionable with Anthony Everett, who uh, fractured ribs in the game against the Bengals on Sunday. The Ram, the Excuse me, the Rams... Uh, have... There they are. Uh, Raymond Kalias is on the COVID list. Uh, Taylor Rapp, Chris Garrett, uh, they both are questionable. And uh, Ernest Jones, the linebacker, and Daryl Henderson were placed on the injured reserve list. They may get Cam Akers this week off the injured reserve list. Uh, Greg Gaines' defensive tackle, um, had hand surgery, but is still expected to play this week. <laughs> now, I believe that is all of the 1 o'clock games. Yep, that was the last one. All right, so let's scroll back up here and get to some 4 o'clocks, starting with Arizona and Dallas. The Cardinals um, come in, uh, power rankings falling from 4 to 9, uh, heading to Dallas. Cowboys move up from six to four. Dallas is five-and-a-half-point favorites. And um, while the power rankings, a shadowy figure, and probably everything else says to pick Dallas, I'm going to be a hater and pick Arizona because I really want them to win the West. (laughs) That's pretty much my only basis for picking the Arizona Cardinals. Look, I I need them to bounce back, and whatever this funk they're in um, with their offense, whatever Cliff Kingsbury is doing as far as play calling, he needs to fix it. And stop doing with getting calamari Murray killed. Um, you can throw the ball all over the field with your core of wide receivers when you have DeAndre Hopkins out there. The problem is you do not have DeAndre Hopkins out there, so I don't understand why he hasn't adjusted the play calling to lean more on, you know, jet sweeps with Rondae Moore or handoffs to Chase Edmonds and John and James Conner. Um, you you have basically thunder and lightning between these three players. Um, just get them the ball somehow in space. You don't have to call your usual pass plays because Christian Kirk, I, I, I don't know where he is, and A.J. Green is not what he once was in in Cincinnati. So scale it back a bit, make things easier for Kyler. I mean, if you have to call more QB, uh, QB runs, draws, off-tackle, read-option type thing, then call those things. But straight drop-back receivers running 20 yards downfield, no one's getting open, and Kyler Murray just chucking it up, hoping somebody's going to catch it is not working. Um, as always, they lost to Detroit, so I don't have much faith in them going forward. <laughs> MJ? <laughs> um,
1: I'm I, Currently I am picking Arizona to win this game. Um, I'm picking Arizona mostly because I like Kyler Murray as a quarterback more than I do Dak, and that's not a knock at all against Dak, but that's more of I like that Kyler Murray is an undersized QB and the things that I see him do on the field. Um, If we were to just look at the teams on paper and by statistics, Dallas should win this game, hands down. There's no question about it. But I'm 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 sticking with Arizona and Colin Murray. Like I said, I like him. He's an undersized QB. The things that he does, I'm not sure he should be able to do. Um his athleticism and his arm definitely give him the things that him being shorter doesn't. So I'm sticking with Arizona.
3: Yeah, and you know, hopefully I was uh, expecting Kevin to send us something but he didn't, so we're just going to take more pop shots at Dallas. Look, um, they had a bye week last week. That's what I'm calling it. I I know officially they played a game against the Washington football team, but if you watch Sunday Night Football, the most entertaining part of that wasn't the game itself. It was the fight that broke out on Washington sideline.
1: Um, Ooh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like, how Um, do you think you're going to put your hands in a grown man's face like that and not have some repercussions. Dude. Oh,
3: man. I will say that Arizona is a far superior, better team than Washington. And while Kevin has been talking all season coming up into this week that Dallas is going to smash the Cardinals, um, hopefully it doesn't come to fruition. And like I said, Kevin didn't send anything, so I'm trying not to say anything positive about Dallas. I think the only good outcome for me personally is probably that Dallas does win. Um, probably can't do any better than the two seed. And in week 18 sits all his people. And then my Eagles can pretty much run rough shot. If we haven't clinched to pretty much beat their backups and get into the playoffs, or we can just arrest <laughs> people knowing where we're locked in in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I've got personal bias in this game. I, I Look, Arizona and the Rams have both already clinched playoff spots. The only thing undecided between those, these two teams um, is their seeding. Um, basically, the, the, the team that finishes second in this division will most likely be the fifth seed. The team that wins the division will either be three or four. Right now, that is the Rams with the one-game lead, but they do not own tiebreakers over the Cardinals and therein lies the problem. So by any way the Cardinals can end up with the same record as the Rams, the Cardinals will win a division. The Rams will be a wild card team. Uh, That is also my personal bias speaking because I would love to see that happen as well. Um, (laughs) Yeah, look, again, Dallas should win this game. I don't see any reason being realistic. I I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. The game – is in Dallas. The last time these two teams played in Dallas, Arizona came out and it was a coming out party for Kyle Murray, and he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, and they beat Dallas like a drum. And I enjoyed every minute of it because it was fun to watch. Be- because I-, I like it when bad things happen to Dallas—not injuries, but I just like when bad things happen to them as far as losing games. Um. So, so yeah, that that's all I've got on this game. Uh, MJ, anything else to add?
1: Nope.
3: I'm good. All right. The COVID list, because again, I can't really call this the injury list, uh, for Dallas includes their punter, Hunter Kneeswander, uh Francis Bernard, the linebacker, Jordan Lewis, the corner, semi uh Fahulko, the wide receiver. Um, and Tyron Smith is questionable. Demarcus Lawrence is questionable, and Malik Turner, the wide receiver, is also listed. As questionable for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they only have Devin canard currently listed on the COVID list. He is questionable. Uh, oh, sorry. Additional players include uh, Breon Borders, the corner, Jordan Phillips, uh, the defense, in uh, Sean Harlow, their guard, Marcus Golden, the linebacker. Um, that's your COVID list players. James Conner, Chase Edmonds, Zach Ertz, Zach Allen, the defensive end, Rodney Hudson, Demetrius Harris, Deontay Thompson, Buda Baker, and Rondell Moore all show up as questionable for the game with various injuries. Excuse me, the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints, uh, a next 4 o'clock game. Panthers hold at 27th in the power rankings, the Saints Fall from twenty one to twenty two, and yet somehow the Saints are seven and a half point favorites. Now, granted, I don't know what the heck is going on in Carolina. They announced that uh, Sam Darnold is going to be their starting quarterback this week. This game is in New Orleans. I uh, don't trust the voodoo down there. Um, MJ, I know you're picking the Panthers because you hate the Saints. I did pretty much. <laughs>
1: I mean there's I make no type of I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to hide the hate. I'm picking the Panthers because I want them to beat the Saints. Yes. Now, whether or not they will beat the Saints I, but I need I really need and want the Panthers to beat them like a drum. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. I'm just saying There's no love lost with that team.
3: Uh Uh-oh, man. Um, Yeah, the the quarterback situation for the Saints will be something to keep an eye on this week. As of now, uh, neither quarterback between Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill shows up on the injury report slash COVID list. So one, if not both, should be available uh, come Sunday to play. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, they still have a litany of players on the COVID list, including Marcus Williams, their safety, uh, Deontay Harris, the wide receiver, Will Lutz, their kicker, uh, running back Dwayne Washington, linebacker Quan Alexander, uh, Carl Granderson, defensive end, Ryan Ramchek, the tackle, Demario Davis, the linebacker, Caden Ellis, the linebacker. Um, So basically everyone who missed the last game, is still currently on the COVID list. They have not yet cleared protocols for Sunday. If all these players do not clear protocols, yeah, somehow I expect the Panthers to pull this out. I don't know how they're going to pull it out, but they might pull this out. Uh, The Panthers' COVID list, um, because who has injuries nowadays? Uh, Backup quarterback, P.J. Walker, Hassan Reddick, the linebacker. Center, Sam Tecklenburg. Dion Nixon, Phil Hoskins, Marquise Harris Sr., (laughs) Matt Pratis, Shaq Thompson, Brian Burris, Brandon Zalestra. Uh, Those are the players on your COVID list. Stephen Gilmore is questionable with a growing injury. This may be a dumpster fire of the game. The Saints can't clinch anything, but if they lose this game, they're out of playoff contention. Yes. <laughs> Don't get too excited there, MJ. Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. Did I do that out loud? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Your bias <laughs> is showing. the <laughs> The Denver Broncos travel to the L. A. Chargers. The Broncos. Uh, fall from 16 to 20 in the power rankings. The Chargers uh, fall from 10 to 12. And, you know, I really want to pick the Denver Broncos in this game, but as I pull up the injury report here, because this is all contingent on one player and one player only, and he's not listed on the injury report. Nope, sorry. Teddy Bridgewater is still a concussion protocol, but he is questionable. Uh, didn't practice on Wednesday, isn't expected to be ready for Sunday's game against the Chargers. So I guess I'm sticking with the Chargers to win this game, which I really don't want to do because we have another smug fan in our group uh, who is a Chargers fan. Early in the season was touting the Chargers are going to the Super Bowl. We told him to calm down and come back to earth. And, you know, based on what the Chargers have done the past couple of weeks, he's been a little quiet. He, ha- he hasn't been as mouthy. Um, they've lost the last two to both the Chiefs and inexplicably got hung for 41 against the Texans. Yes, the Texans. Quarterback by Davis Mills, who I said I would never pick to win another game this season because they shut down Tyrod Taylor. Those Houston Texans with arguably the worst roster currently in football with the exception of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those Texans put up 41 points on the L.A. Chargers. Yeah. The Chargers do still have an outside chance of making the playoffs. Uh, Denver is mathematically eliminated with a loss in this game. So, yeah, there's stakes all over the place with this one. But in all good conscience, without Teddy Bridgewater playing Sunday, my only analysis for this game is that the Chargers win because no Bridgewater equals no victory. MJ? Good, <laughs> um. Uh, the COVID report for the Chargers has linebacker Kenneth Murray, uh, tackle Storm Norton, uh, safety Nasir Ad- Adderley, cornerback Chris Harris Jr., wide receiver Mike Williams, uh, Matt Overton, their long snapper, Trey Pipkins, their tackle, Devontae Harris, the corner, Dustin Hopkins, the kicker, Ioli Gilman, the safety, Michael Davis, the cornerback. Um for those keeping score at home, that is three-fourths the starting secondary. Excuse me. That is the entire starting secondary on the COVID list. The Denver Broncos uh, have Katen Stearns, Calvin Anderson, Tim Patrick, the wide receiver, Mike Purcell, Andre Mintz, the linebacker, uh, currently on the COVID list. Drew Locke is questionable. Uh, he was limited with an ankle injury. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are both listed as questionable hip and knee respectively Kareem Jackson to safety Shelby Harris, the defensive end Bradley Chubb linebacker Ronald Darby corner also listed as questionable non-COVID related um, I think I may switch this that if all these players for the Chargers, including their entire starting secondary is going to be missing the game with COVID I give the Broncos a shot so this would be a game time choice for me, but yeah, those four members of the secondary don't clear protocols by the weekend and the Chargers have to start backups. Yeah, give me the Broncos in this one. Uh, next next game here, we have the Houston Texans and the San Francisco 49ers. The Texans move up from 30 to 28. The Niners hold steady at 14. Uh The Niners are 12-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, Aside from the shadowy figure who's calling for the upset in Davis Mills, I think he's doing that because of the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. And, uh, MJ, your your thoughts here while I pull up that information on Jimmy G. Actually, uh, he was held out of practice on Wednesday, um, so he is questionable for Sunday. Don't ask me who the backups are in Frisco because, honestly, I don't know.
1: Um, I'm 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 going with the 49ers because for one thing I don't understand how <laughs> Davis Mills and the Texans put up 41 against the against the Chargers. That mm-hmm. that just makes no that makes no sense at all to me. Um, I don't know who Garoppolo. Wait, who?
0: Trey
3: Lance would start in Garoppolo's place, the rookie.
1: Ooh. Now. Yeah, I might still roll with I'm wrong, didn't we talk about that during one of the first couple podcasts what it would take for the Forty ers to start Trey Lance?
3: Yeah, but that never happened. Um, we if were talking it might about the sp- this week though. I mean, he he might get the start this week, depending on Garoppolo's availability. But, yeah, there was a stint in the season where the Niners had lost five or six games, and we were looking at them possibly, matter of fact, it was the Monday night game where they were going to play the Rams, which they ended up mm-hmm. winning 31-10. to 10. And we were looking at the upcoming games, Rams, Jaguars, and Vikings. By the way, they won all three. And we said that if they lose to the Rams, would it be time to go ahead and start looking at – Trey Lance as a starting quarterback. Just throw him in there. Get it over with right. now. Well, since then, <laughs> they've won five of the last seven. Uh, they did lose last Thursday to the Titans. Um, the only other loss was a 30-23 to 23, uh, loss to the Seahawks. They're currently 8-7. and seven. They are the sixth seed right now in the NFC. Um, they do need a win and help to clinch a playoff berth this week. So, I mean, uh, right now their best-case scenario is a win and a Saints loss for this week to clinch a playoff berth.
1: I I bring that up because this might be, uh, uh, again, assuming whatever's going on with Garoppolo, because I don't know if his – if him being questionable is an injury or if it's COVID related, I hadn't looked at their injury. It's an injury. Yet. He
3: had surgery on his right thumb earlier this week. Like um, uh, he okay. was held out of practice on Wednesday. They do expect him to play on Sunday. But if he can't, it is Trey Lance.
1: I like the idea of seeing Trey Lance get his first NFL start against a team like Houston because it. I don't know. There's something about a rookie QB getting his first start that you want him to get a good conf or at least I would think I don't know how coaches say, but I would think you'd want your starting rookie QB excuse me to get a a good confidence boosting first start. Now that's not to say that he would go out and just mop the floor with Houston because I don't see that happening but if Trey Lance were to get the start, I see him putting up decent enough numbers to win the game.
3: Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing positive to say about Houston. I, there's no way Davis Mills should have won that game last week. Shame on you Chargers. No. <laughs> uh That's all I got to say about that. Um, injury report? uh let's see rondell carter and dominique Eberly for the texans are both on the COVID list uh chris conley has a knee injury he's questionable justin Britt, the center and defense and demarcus walker Alyssa is questionable chris moore the wide receiver has been placed on the COVID list uh philip dorsett was placed on the COVID, on the injury reserve with a foot injury david johnson Is on the COVID list as well. For the Niners, again, we already talked about Garoppolo, Uh, Trey Sermon, their running back, uh, has not yet been designated to return from injured reserve, Um, but they are hopeful that they can activate him before the week is out, um, before Sunday's game. Elijah Mitchell, the other running, another running back for the Niners, has a knee injury. He was limited in practice. Uh, Maurice Hurst, the defensive tackle, is questionable. Uh, Drake Greenlaw is currently out for this game with a growing, And Aziz Al-Shahir, the linebacker, is doubtful with a knee injury. Uh, Moving on here to a game that has no implications on the playoffs whatsoever, the Detroit Lions, who who fall from 28 to 30. uh, Heads to Seattle to take on the Seahawks, who fall from 25 to 26. The Seahawks are somehow seven-point favorites. Uh, everybody here is picking the Seahawks to win, except for me, because I am that crazy fool who's going to pick the Detroit Lions because nothing is working in Seattle right now except for the weather. And, um, yeah, outside of it, snowing in Seattle this coming Sunday, which I'm not sure if it is or isn't again. Uh, it's going to be 40 degrees, so a lot warmer than it was last Sunday against the Bears, which, by the way, they they lost to the Bears um yeah. I, I have no it's, hope in, in Seattle right now. They they're turning into a dumpster fire before our eyes. You,
1: you made the statement of there's nothing working in Seattle. Um what exactly is working in Detroit?
3: Heart and grit.
1: Oh oh okay. Um look
3: I said look I said it was a foolish choice. I'm gonna stick by my foolish choice.
1: Oh okay, yeah, you do that. Um
3: Hey, they they've beaten the Vikings, the Cardinals, and tied with the Steelers. Arguably three games they very well should
1: have lost. Wait, who are we talking about? The Lions? Yes. And and what happened last week?
3: I mean, y'all just as bad. That game could have gone either way. You already no, mentioned no, how um, y'all would have no. lost that game in the past.
1: <laughs> right. Last year's – so uh, all I'm saying is, yeah, last year's – they would have beaten last year's Falcons. They would have. There's no question about that. Judge, no, no, James, no. Just no. No. Look, the only thing no. that saved
3: y'all is that they benched Jared Goff and put in David I, Blau
1: or whoever the, I, the quarterback
3: I, is they put in against y'all because it, it wasn't Goff that y'all
1: lost to. Seattle takes this game. Um, Seattle okay. takes this game. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if for no other reason than for Russ to put on, I won't say a clinic. But to put out his last couple of games to be quite impressive, because I heard on the radio this morning, or was it yesterday morning? Either this morning or yesterday morning. I can't remember what day it was. Um, I don't know when Russ's contract is up, but there was question as to whether or not he would fit in in another system somewhere else. Specifically, New Orleans came up. So again, I don't know if his contract is up, I don't know if he's unhappy in Seattle, but it wouldn't at all surprise me that if he's looking to leave, he wouldn't want his last couple of games in Seattle to be memorable so that somebody says, well, you had the injury. And he says, yeah, and look what I did when I came back. Um,
3: yeah. So Assuming this is the last home game of the season for them. And then they're at Arizona at the end of the year. Um. Excuse me for the last
1: game. That's, season. that's next week.
3: Yeah, I, and I don't expect them to win next week, so why win this week either? They're currently 5-10. They have scored 306 points total this season. They have given up 307 points total this season. I, I don't know what you expect from the Seahawks, but um, quality football is not it.
1: Um... Oh, no, 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 no. It's not so much what I truly expect from the Seahawks. It's more so what I don't expect from the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. Is, is that
3: because you beat them? Is that what it no, is? Because your
1: no, team beat them? That's because, no, because even before we beat them, they were 2 and 11. And one. But uh, Yes, and one. The, the they are tied with Jacksonville and Houston for being the worst team in the league. I'm I'm sorry. I just don't expect much out of Detroit anymore. I mean, what are what are they playing for? And don't get me wrong, I'm not I don't buy into what people say when they say, well, once a team knows that they're out of playoff contention, you should start tanking to get a better draft pick. I think that's mm-hmm, foolish. Mm-hmm. These are professional NFL players who want to go out and play a great game of football because that's what they I want mean unless play. you're
3: the offensive line for the Seahawks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrong change. The wrong but Where's really, the lie? I did I'm sorry. Say it I, was I, a lie. I, I just said it was I, I, wrong.
3: I, I watched Snowmageddon last week in Seattle, and the Bears, the, the Bears defensive players who wanted to get to Russell Wilson, got to Russell Wilson. Snow, snow notwithstanding, on that field, they pretty much they looked at the offensive lineman, said, "Excuse me, I have to talk to Russ. I think he owes me money," <laughs> and they walked right past the offensive line on every single pass play. The only time that and I use air quotes here, offensive line of the Seattle Seahawks put up any fight whatsoever is when they ran the ball. But any time Russell Wilson dropped back to pass, he was more than likely running from one or two Bears defenders.
1: Fair point. Fair point. Fair point.
3: So why Um, would uh, not think that the Detroit Lions can do the same thing that the Bears did? I mean, again, look, it's, Detroit, we know as far as bringing talent together and everything, you got a first-year coach, you got a system that's not quite in place on both sides of the ball. Um, you got a whole literally the entire team is trying to figure things out. And yes, they've only won two games this season and tied another one. And like I said, arguably all games they most likely should have lost if not gotten their brains beat in, but they didn't. They have been competitive as of late. They have not been getting blown out as they were in the beginning of the year Points. True. They True. have been losing Very games low. by, for the most part, in the last couple of weeks, the games that they've lost, I believe, have been by one score. Yeah. So, I mean, they are, well, minus the Broncos. But since the tie, they lost 13-10 to the Browns. 16-14 to the Bears. They beat the Vikings by two, blown out by the Broncos, which is the only blowout. They beat down the Cardinals 30-12, to 12, and they only lost by four to the Falcons. So as far as I'm concerned, that's putting up a fight.
1: Oh, no, no, I'm not saying they're not putting up a fight. Don't get me wrong. That's what I'm not saying that. I'm saying they're not going to beat the Seahawks.
3: That's more of a fight than the Seahawks have put up. Okay, <laughs>
1: they're not beating. I
3: have to stop railing on the Seahawks because Justin's going to kill me later.
1: <laughs> um, the I make it looking look, it look eh, no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, the, the injury report: um,
3: Brandon Shell, Al Woods, Gabe Jackson, Puna Ford, Alex Collins, DK Metcalf. Uh, John Rattigan, uh all show up as questionable. LJ Collier, defensive end, and uh, Blessing Austin, cornerback, are currently on the COVID list. Uh, for the Lions, Geronimo Allison is out. Quintez Cephas is on injured reserve. Halapulavati Vaitai and Michael Brockers are on the COVID list. Uh, Jarrett Goff is day-to-day with his knee injury. Jalen Reeves' Mabin is questionable. Josh Woods was placed on injury reserve with his neck injury. Brock Wright, the tight end, and Josh Reynolds, wide receiver, are on the COVID list. The Sunday night game, in which case I will be a huge Packers fan, has the Green Bay Packers, who fall from 1 to 2 in our power rankings, hosting the Minnesota Vikings, who fall from 17 to 21 in the rankings. Uh, We're all picking the Packers, and Brian, our Green Bay fan, does send us, on offense, Rodgers has been on fire for the last weeks and looks like to regain his MVP form. What's even more impressive, he's had to do it with a ramshackle offensive line for that same stretch. The only remaining starter is middling rookie right guard. Uh, Starting to see some glimpses of the elusiveness Aaron Jones has prior to his MCL sprain early this year, A.J. Dillon, is going to grind defenses into dust outdoors in December. No one can cover Devonte Adams. Everyone else in our receiving core has mostly stunk, but we've been able to get some decent help from one of the other guys most weeks. On defense, the entire unit has taken a big step back since shutting out Seattle. Tackling last week was about as bad as I can remember. Going to need a lot of improvement from our front 7 to stop or slow down Dalvin Cook. Um Kirk has generally played pretty well against Green Bay, especially throwing from clean pockets. Kenny Clark has dominated Minnesota's OC for a few seasons now. Expecting we'll see some good interior rush. Preston Smith or Sean Gary have looked good rushing the passer, but have struggled a bit with contain on the edge runs, Gary especially. We'll need to be diligent to force Cook inside. Anticipate Justin Jefferson will give us some issues. Eric Stokes has played like a starting corner. But because they can move Jefferson around, he'll get matched up on all of our guys. Safeties need to stay deep enough to not get beat over the top by him. Happened twice earlier this year. Uh, Special teams, this is a dumpster fire and a legit concern for our Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, Should have Ashkant, the coach, weeks ago, but here we are, hoping it doesn't cost us big down the stretch. Pick, Green Bay doesn't lose at home. I'll take Green Bay 28-20. uh MJ, anything you want to add to that before I get to the uh, injury reports?
1: I mean, it's going to be six degrees in Green Bay. Um, Not that either of these teams isn't used to playing in the cold, so I don't know that weather will be that much of a factor. Um, Well, the Vikings do play in the Dome. uh, Yeah, true, true, very true. Um, Personally, I want Karen Rodgers to lose, but I don't see it happening.
3: Yeah, Karen Rodgers and the Packers aren't going to lose this game. They they got no. embarrassed a few weeks ago by the Vikings. Um, I'm pretty sure they want to wrap this up. Their clinching scenario, I believe, is win and, yeah, the first seed. So, uh, yeah, they win and somehow Dallas loses. They get the first round bye. They've already clinched the uh, NFC North, so that is not in doubt. Uh. Yeah, I I don't see much happening in the Vikings' favor um, to 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 win this game. So uh, the injury report slash COVID list, Uh, the Packers have linebacker Tipa Galea, uh, Kingsley Kiki, the defensive tackle, Henry Black, the safety, Corey Barroquez, the punter, and let's see who else is listed here. Mercedes Lewis, their tight end. in Burks, their linebacker. Uh linebacker Ty Summers. Ben Brayton, their guard, Ladarius Hamilton, the linebacker. Uh Amari Rogers, the wide receiver, Kevin King, the corner, Shamar Jin Charles, uh, another corner. So that's your COVID list players. Uh David Bakhtiari and Billy Turner, their offensive linemen, are both listed as questionable. Uh, Jair Alexander was limited in practice with a shoulder injury. Aaron Jones uh, has a knee injury. And, of course, Karen Rodgers and his toe show up as uh, not practicing on Wednesday. Uh, For the Vikings, Tyler Conklin, the tight end, didn't practice due to a hamstring. Harrison Smith didn't practice due to uh, a foot and shoulder injury. Uh, Chaz Surrett, the linebacker, Kane in Ingu- in the running back is questionable. Uh CJ Ham, the fullback, also questionable. Uh Patrick Jones is currently on the COVID list, along with a Asima- <laughs> Mika Udo, Rashad Hill, and Sean Manon. Uh Dalvin Cook is questionable. Non COVID illness. Uh, It says here, Adam Thielen was placed on injured reserve along with Ben Elphinson. The Monday night football game, the last Monday night football game of the season, has the Cleveland Browns traveling to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Browns hold at 19 in our power rankings. The Steelers move up from 20 to 18. I don't understand how they moved up after getting blasted by the Chiefs last week, but whatever. Um, The Browns are three-point favorites. And, um, yeah, despite the furious comeback they had last week against the uh, Packers that fell short, I can't in good conscience pick the Browns to win this game. I I just can't. Look, I know Ben looks old. He looks horrible. He should retire definitely yesterday. I'm still riding with the Steelers, Um, mainly because the loser of this game is out of playoff contention in the AFC. Period, and both these teams still have a shot to win the division. That is not an exaggeration. Um, yeah, Cleveland has everything going for it, but again, they're they're in the vicious cycle of you know stinking up the joint after they get praised from previously playing well after having stunk up the joint, and that's the vicious cycle they found themselves in all season. Um, They get praise for playing well. They start sniffing themselves. They stink up the joint. Then they start playing well. They get praise, and they stink up the joint. And we're in the stink up the joint phase. And, um, yeah, I I just don't see how they beat Pittsburgh. I mean, I can see how they can beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. They did it last year in the playoffs. Um, I just don't see it happening this week. MJ?
1: Um, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't trust Ben to get it done. Fair. I. That's legit. That's legit. My reason for picking Cleveland is I don't trust Ben to get it done.
3: Well, someone said Baker Mayfield is just a sober somebody else that you could play quarterback out there in Cleveland, and um, they weren't wrong. So I mean, while you don't trust Ben, I don't trust Mayfield.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm, realistically, I'm, there's there's I I don't know that I can personally point to any one aspect of either team that makes them demonstratively better than the other. This is a game that I would say I don't know you could pick with the flip of a coin.
3: Pretty much. And if I had a coin, I'd probably flip it right now. I still would put Cleveland. Though <laughs> uh, I will note that, um, yeah, the 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 Steelers did win the first matchup in epic fashion um, earlier this season, uh, a game in which everyone thought they were going to lose. Like we we had no idea uh, that they were going to win that game, and also, uh, mind you, this is. There's probably a chip on the shoulder of a few players for the Steelers. Uh, they won the game 15-10, but um, on a trick play to get two points, or at least try to get a touchdown off a field goal attempt, the Browns knocked out the kicker for the Steelers, and um, the Steelers had the results of going to two, going for two, and going for it on fourth down every time they crossed the Browns' forty. Um, to get in the field goal range, they couldn't kick a field goal. They they had to go for it on fourth down and when they scored a touchdown, they had to go for two because again, the kicker wasn't available. He was knocked out with a concussion on that trick play earlier in the game. You can say that the trick play probably should have been run, but that's Tomlin's mindset. They were trying to jump start the offense. Yes. So I um yeah, I I I look, and I and I get it. Rossesberger looks horrible. Nothing about him over these last several weeks of the season in which they've only won what two of the last seven games and you're still trying to figure out how they won two of those last seven games? I mean, after the tie with the Lions, they lose to the Chargers, lose to the Bengals. Sorry. They get destroyed by the Bengals 41-10. They get a one-point win over the Ravens, a game they probably should have lost because the Ravens decided to go for two at the end instead of kicking the extra point. They were at home, by the way. Um, The Vikings, they lose to on a Thursday night game that got ugly early, but somehow they climbed back into it. Uh, They somehow beat the Titans after that, and then they get blasted by the Chiefs this past week. So... Yeah, judging by that, I think they're due for a win. The last four games, they've alternated wins and losses. They probably win this one. So, but uh, yeah, definitely. Again, the loser of this game is out of all AFC playoff contention. I should note that the Steelers are currently seven seven and one, and Cleveland is seven and eight. So take from that what you will. The injury report here has uh, Pat Firemuth for the Steelers, Chris Wormley, Buddy Johnson. Um, currently uh, listed as questionable. Friar is in a concussion protocol. Anthony McFarland, Isaiah Bugs, Devin Bush are still on the COVID list. For the Cleveland Browns, Kareem Hunt is questionable with an ankle injury. John Johnson is listed as questionable. Uh, Troy Hill, Ronnie Harrison are amongst the players on the COVID list, along with Elijah Lee, Alex Taylor, Jordan Elliott, their kicker, Chase McLaughlin, the center, oh, wow. J.C. Treder as well. So they, they've got some key pieces on the both offense and defense uh, on the COVID list. If these guys clear protocol, they will avail- be available for Monday night game. This is the final Monday night game of the season. So we should find out a lot of things come the end of this week. Uh, clinching scenarios, knockout scenarios, teams basically Rooting on pigs to fly, like MJ's Falcons, to make the playoffs? Ha, 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 ha,
2: ha,
1: ha.
3: I mean, 5% chance. I, I get it. You're I'm saying there's a chance. It's not
1: zero. It's not zero. <laughs> what, were, what, what were you saying earlier, uh, earlier tonight about your math degree? 5% is mathematically possible.
3: What I said exactly was, while I have a math degree, I don't – I I don't acknowledge percentages of making the playoffs with what actually happens on the field because it's the same thing as saying on paper this team should win. So no, I I I I don't subscribe to percentages of making the playoffs. I'm just saying five percent is better than zero. <laughs> Anything you want to add to that five percent before we get out of here? Nah, now nah, we're good. Well, for MJ and his 5% hope, I'm James, your (laughs) Eagles fan, Uh, saying please be careful and take care of yourselves in the best way you see fit in this cold flu and COVID era that we currently live in. Uh, This is the last show of 2021, so happy new year. The next time we talk to you, we'll be talking about week 18, yes, 18, and possible playoff scenarios and matchups that we are looking forward to and maybe even with some of these teams that are dumpster fires at the top of the draft order are looking to do. So with that, I will say so long, happy new year, and God bless.
1: Trying to do the challenge of finding the mysterious pod. Is there somebody else here now? Oh, Jesus. Nice, dude. Let's go. (laughs) Get out of my face. I'm running out of breath and also out of energy. I'm going to see you later. Bye.